your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Ribs and BK. Jim Bowden suggests that if the Cardinals are going to extend one player this offseason, it's likely Jack Flaherty. I don't think he would take a deal at this point. I don't think he's going to take a deal until he becomes a free agent. However, BT, when you read this, what were your thoughts? How many well, years, AAV, things like that? Well, now Jack has told you the way that he has handled his contracts right now, and there's no leverage, zero to three. This uh, this week, he's coming up on his first year of arbitration, which could get a little interesting, honestly. Okay, so that was the fast lane yesterday talking about Jack Flaherty, and they brought up the question of, hey, if the Cardinals were to do, we've talked about this previously, if the Cardinals were to do the extension that they typically do in the offseason, if they were going to give that to any of their young players, who would be the most likely candidate? Jim Bowden, former MLB executive, wrote on The Athletic. That's not the guy who coached Florida State, is it? Very different. Okay. Very different. What was that guy's name? Uh, Bowden. Same to Jim, though, right? Close, yes. Are they related? Um, not in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Jim Bow- Jim Bowden. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it, Jamie. That's exactly what he was going for. Oh, the oh, Athletic. Oh, oh. Former MLB executive was a general manager with Washington. He says that the clear option for the Cardinals would be Jack Flaherty if they were going to give out this uh, contract extension. So the Cardinals have given out bizarre contracts over the years, including recent deals with Carpenter, Fowler, and Michaelis. It's a bit surprising that Flaherty hasn't been their priority. In 2019, he finished fourth in the AL Cy Young. I'll be surprised if he doesn't win another by the time that it is over. End quote. That again, coming from Jim Bowden. Guys, I think that's obviously the one that they would want to re-sign long-term. But why in the hell would Jack Flaherty accept any sort of a deal long-term? Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, if you're Jack Flaherty, I would imagine that not just yourself and your family, but your agent and everybody surrounding you says uh, you're going to make bank. And all you got to do is continue through this process, pitch well, uh, continue to show improvement and dominate like you have. And the Brinks truck is going to back up to your house and deliver whatever you want. Uh, now, the only other, the other side of it is some guys perform better and, and are much more relaxed when they have that certainty of contracts, of guaranteed money that are coming their way so they can settle in. I don't think Jack Flaherty looks like that guy who needs the pat on the back. Like, whoo, I finally got three years to get comfortable or five years to get comfortable. I think he's the guy that wants to push the envelope, push, 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 and literally wants to be able to have 
have not just one, but two Brinks trucks back up to his house. So I don't see that being an option for the Cardinals. I don't think it's out of the question that the Cardinals can get him re-signed. And Claves was talking about it this morning on Carriker and Smallman. And Claves is one of the closest friends with Jack Flaherty that I know that's in media right now. You could get Jack locked up but you're going to pay him the money he would get on the open market. There's no hometown discount for Jack Flaherty. The other thing with Jack Flaherty, as we saw last season, he's not going to re-up now because he doesn't want to destroy the market in terms of other players. Like if you're going to re-up him, it's going to be that last year of arbitration before he hits free agency. But again, you're going to pay him the money that he would get on the open market, which is why I think when you watch Trevor Bauer, who just won a Cy Young this offseason, when you saw Garrett Cole last offseason sign with the Yankees, all of these guys are kind of trendsetters for what Jack Flaherty's market is going to give. So this morning, I thought Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman had the more interesting conversation about this, honestly. They brought up another very real possibility. Here's what Randy Carricker had to say. If the Cardinals come to him after 2021 and say, look, we want to sign you. And he says, well, I'm not signing for anything less than what Garrett Cole got. Then the Cardinals know that they won't be able to sign him. The move for the Cardinals then with two years of control left would probably be to move him for a bevy of prospects. And that might be hard to do when you look at what teams have traded pitchers like Clevenger and. So that was Randy Carricker talking about what about the idea of trading him? It's a bold I think that's move, far Cotton. more likely let me repeat this. I think it is far more likely that the Cardinals would trade Jack Flaherty than that they would extend him this offseason. I don't think either are going to happen this year. Next year, though, if we're talking about, hey, the option is either Jack Flaherty resigns or Jack Flaherty is traded. I think it's far more likely that he gets traded. If you're talking about, hey, you'd have to give him a Garrett Cole type of contract. Let's put a fine point on what that means. Garrett Cole was signed to nine years and three hundred and twenty four million dollars. Cardinals aren't giving him that kind of money. But Garrett Cole was a lot older when he signed that contract. He was a lot more proven, too. But Jack, in, no. No? He was in Cy Young consideration a couple of times. So was Jack Flaherty. <laughs> but Jack Flaherty, by the time he hits that extension, is not going to be 29 years old. Yeah, so he's going to get even more money, potentially. But if you're giving <laughs> nine years to a 26-year-old Jack Flaherty for $300 million... They're not they're not giving if if they're not willing to give out this kind of money to Francisco Lindor, who plays every day and who whose likelihood of injury is far lower than Jack Flaherty, who's a pitcher. And we know oh, pitchers yeah. break. They are not giving that kind of a money to a pitcher. I don't care if he's internal, external, subternal. I don't care so where what's he's your coming number, from. Then? What's the number in your head you think the Cardinals as an organization would go, the farthest they go that would be potentially accepted by Jack Flaherty? Because there has to be something there, right? Like, Any, I would say anything less than $200 million. Is what is what he would not take. No, is what the Cardinals would go to. Okay, I don't know if they go past that. If I'm Jack Flaherty, like you've got to entice me here a little bit. So if I'm going to be the good guy and want to stay with the home team, okay, you're not going to get to that 300 million, but you've got to at least tempt me here with something good. I don't think they're going to be able to resign him. So just flat out. So then let me ask you this. Why do we even bother investing in these young players? Because <laughs> they're cheap right now. No, I understand. But then you lose them. Like, it's like this circle of death, basically, because once they get good enough to actually be paid money, well, you got to get rid of them and you bring in the next guy who, well, we hope he's good. So this is something that I think is worthy of a discussion. I don't think it's right now. I don't think that the discussion for Jack Flaherty being traded is this offseason. 
I think it begins next offseason, though. At that point, he would have two years left on his contract. He would likely make around $10 million for the 2022 season. So not this upcoming year. Scheduled to make around $2.5 million in arbitration. It's his first year in arbitration, and that's a big deal. Next year could get up to 10. The year after that, that's the last year of arbitration that we're talking about right now with Francisco Lindor. Probably around $20 million if he keeps pitching the way that he has. Do we really think that the Cardinals negotiating off of $30 million over two years, which is probably what he's going to be scheduled to make, are going to then give him $25 plus million per year over eight to 10 million or eight to 10 years? Who's the last pitcher they've done that for? Wayno? Yeah. And what was Wayno? How many years was Wayno? I don't care about the money because the money was, is all like it's going to be relative to those economic times, right? I wonders if it was like five years that they gave Wayno. Like five and a hundred, something like that. Yeah. I'd have to look at what the actual deal was. But it wasn't like an eight or nine year, ten year deal. No. It was five. Let me ask you both this. Seems kind of consistent with the Cardinals Between at, at number five. Five years, a hundred million dollars is what he got. Between now and the time that Jack Flaherty is scheduled to hit free agency, if he wins a Cy Young, why wouldn't you pay him? Because he's a pitcher, and also because it's the Cardinals, and they don't do that. I'm so, like, I, I know that sounds super crass, and no, I know you want to hear something it was different. Expression that was better but, but than then, anything. But then, to Jamie's point, what are we doing here? We're playing Cardinals baseball. So we're just, so we're just going on a five-year cycle of yeah. great young players, and then we're getting rid of them, and then we're starting the cycle and we over start again. over again, and we cross our fingers that we find another Jack Flaherty. Yes. Well, then you're going to be destined for NLDS and out. So kind of what we're doing. Yes. There we go. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills over here. (laughs) Yes. This is what we do. This is Cardinals baseball. You bring in young players, you develop them. They become really good. If they're willing to sign that deal that is below market value before they hit the open market, then you get to keep them a few extra years. If they're not, then they go. So what would inspire anybody to stay here then? Like, if you're Jack Flaherty, if you're Dylan Carlson, if Nolan Gorman, let's say, he he hits and... What's the inspiration to stay? Because every four or five years, you're going to go through dog times. Jack Flaherty is a really unique individual who is very willing to bet on himself. He's been willing to do this so far. He's proven a point by taking the renewals as opposed to getting whatever the club was willing to pay him over the last couple of years. He's going to do the same thing this year. He's going to arbitration. This dude is not going to accept whatever the uh, Cardinals decide to offer him. He's going to go to arbitration. And those can get a little ugly sometimes from everything that we understand about how this process works. Oh, it's ugly. So... If that's the expectation for this year, it's going to happen again next year, and then it will happen once again in his final season. This is the guy that will bet on himself in a way that he's not going to take that under market value deal early. Paul DeYoung did. Colton Wong did. Carlos Martinez did. They took that life-changing money without officially hitting the free agent market. If Jack Flaherty is unwilling to take that contract, and I think he is... I would fully expect that three years from now, Jack Flaherty will hit, be hitting the open market and he's going to get 200 plus million dollars, barring some sort of a setback and barring him not pitching the way that he has every time that he's been able to pitch so far in his career. You know, the part that pisses me off. I want to argue this as much as possible, but I can't. I, you can't argue this. You cannot argue the fact that Jack Flaherty is not going to be here in three years. It's really hard to unless they do something that is completely foreign to them. 
which I guess is possible, but it goes against everything that we talked about. Like, this is why I keep bringing up the names that we've brought up, because as much as I would love to, like BT brought up the other day, look at 2024. Well, the roster completely changes by then. Well, the guys are talking new cycle about, at that point. Yeah, you're back to the uh, beginning. You are. Goldie will be on his way out, right? Because he'll be at what, year thirty-six four? years old. Paul DeYoung will be towards the end of his contract. Yeah. Flaherty potentially gone at that point. You you don't know what the roster is going to look like. You don't you gotta, know what kind of injuries you're going to have. You don't know what these young prospects are going to be at that point. I guess your best hope is that Matthew Libertor is the next Jack Flaherty. Yeah, but then for what, a couple of years? You get five more years out of it, and you hope that Carlson and Gorman are the next core people so that you can start the cycle faster than the last one. And this is why you go for it. This is why right now, as much as it doesn't feel like they're in their window... They're kind of in their window right now, and they need to be able to take advantage of it, even if it's not this upcoming season. The year after is kind of when they need to start winning again, and they need to do it quickly, or you need to start a new cycle, and that would involve trading Jack Mm, Flaherty. That'll be fun. I don't want to do that. I am not advocating for that. I would not do that. But I, w- I would start winning. I would go after these shortstops that we've talked so much about. I would be involved in that big-time free agent to class. The back to There's a reason for it. The best is yet to come. Or the worst. I'm not sure. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. He's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. There is massive, massive news coming out of the NL Central right now. We'll talk about it coming up next and why I think it could have some reverberations across the baseball landscape. That's all coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. And Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. There is some huge news coming out of baseball right now. Theo Epstein has decided that he will step down as the president of baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs, effective November 20th. That is three days from now. Jed Hoyer will be named to that role. Theo Epstein gone from the Chicago Cubs. No surprise. This was expected. Heck, he said he was leaving. It was expected next year. He had one year left on his deal, and he is now going to be done with the Chicago Cubs a year early. This seems to signify to me the Cubs know what their path forward is, and it makes me wonder if some of these rumors that we've been reading over the last few days, maybe this is the plan that they wanted to start a little early. Like, you know what? We know this is going to be a rebuild. We know it's some tough times ahead. Let's go ahead and allow Jed Hoyer to be the one that makes all of these decisions because he's going to be the one that ultimately is in charge of this team in the future. Let's let him make these decisions now of where do we send Chris Bryant? What do we do with Javi Baez? What do we do with Anthony Rizzo? What do we do with all of these guys that were the core of our World Series team? And what do we want to get in return? It feels to me like that's kind of what this is. Theo Epstein's headed to the Mets. And he's going to trade for Baez and bring him out there. And he's going to build his 10-year dynasty with the Mets. You heard it here first. Does he trade for Baez or does he trade for Chris Bryant? I don't know. Or does he trade for, you know, he might Francisco Lindor? He might get them all. <laughs> Theo Epstein, guys, honestly, he's the guy. Why wouldn't you go? If so the Mets are the same Before team. we go too far down that path, because that was going to be my prediction until I started reading some of the insiders who actually know what they're talking about. Um, That's Jamie Rivers. Jason Stark and Ken Rosenthal just did a piece this morning 
on The Athletic looking at the jobs for the Phillies and the Mets, which are the two big jobs that are still remaining for front office gigs, right? He says, Jason Stark does, uh, Theo is not interested in doing this same job a third time. He doesn't want to go to another team as a president of baseball operations or general manager. Quote, the more likely path for Theo Epstein might be in the form of an ownership group. Bob Nightingale adding that Theo Epstein's plan is to take a year off. Then he could emerge with an ownership group or even a potential expansion franchise like Nashville if he decides to stay in baseball. So it's looking like Theo is more likely to be an owner as opposed to a front office guy. If you remember, whenever we had uh, Kaplan on a few weeks ago now, he actually said something similar where he said he didn't think that he was going to go off to be in another owner or another front office. He thought he was going to be in an ownership uh, ownership group down the line. Think about the expansions, though. As you mentioned, Nashville, or as Rosenthal and Stark mentioned with Nashville, but you also got Vegas. That's a potential expansion if they want to get in Montreal. And especially when you look at Toronto, what we talked about yesterday with Rod. Rodgers being such a a prolific ownership group for that team, it wouldn't surprise me if Montreal finds its way back in and Theo's a part of it. Absolutely. Maybe. I I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what is next. I know that baseball would certainly love to have a couple of expansion teams right about now because all that we've heard all offseason is how much money they're losing, and you get a ton of money. It is the easiest way for a professional league to get an influx of a billion dollars. It's bringing in a couple of expansion teams. They brought in two. That'd be a couple billion because heck, you're at seven hundred and fifty million just for an NHL franchise now. Uh, immediately, and so that's something that I would be watching for over the next couple of years, especially as the CBA is on the horizon next off season. There's probably a lot here. As it pertains to the Cardinals, as we're kind of localizing what is obviously the biggest story in baseball right now. This would seemingly indicate the Cubs are going to undergo a pretty significant transition here. This is the first, in terms of the actions, not the rumors, the first signifier of the Cubs are probably going back into tank mode, or at least something resembling a tank mode. Why wouldn't you? It's the next in the the life, right? The life cycle that we've talked so much about for these teams. Death cycle. (laughs) Team dies. The Reds are fine. But they're probably losing their best pitcher this offseason in Trevor Bauer. The Brewers are fine, but I wouldn't say they're any sort of great shakes. When we talked with Buster only, he mentioned the best friend for the Cardinals for this upcoming season is the Cubs. Because if the Cubs decide to do something like this, it probably means that the Cardinals will go into the season as the very clear favorite to win the NL Central. Guys, the Cardinals are the very clear favorite right now to win the NL Central. As currently constructed, they are the favorite. They have the best pitching in the division. They have at least the ability to bring back potentially Wayno and Yachty. The Cardinals are probably going to be the best team in this division next year, even if they don't make those big moves that we talk so much about. <laughs> it sucks to hear, <laughs> but it's the reality. Uh, it, we, But it's funny because we, as soon as the Cardinals season ended, we talked about how, well, with the division the way it is, they're probably going to be competitive. And now with everything evolving in Chicago with the, the today, the announcement of Theo Epstein leaving and that they're probably going to just try and sell off everything and, and go back to, you know, square one. Um, yeah. So the Cardinals technically could probably do absolutely nothing at all and still compete for the division title. Yeah. I mean, let, go cards. <laughs> Hypothetically, 
if the Cubs don't move these pieces and somebody comes in and says, let's keep a couple of these guys around just one more year, one more push. Cardinals are still tied for first, as Tony mm-hmm. LaRusso would say in the NL Central. Yeah. So regardless if the Cubs sell things off, like if they sell things off, cards are the obvious number one. Because even Milwaukee, who is a competitor with him, Milwaukee resides around Christian Yelich. Look at what happened with Yelich this past year. Aye. If he sucks, Milwaukee will not be in conversation. Without Bauer, I don't know if the Reds are in the conversation. So with or without players on the Cubs, Cardinals are still in a push for first place. Not just now, but for the next three to five years. Don't look past the Pirates, Alex. Well, that's the thing is none of these teams have great farm systems <laughs> either. If you're, we, we were talking about this with uh, Tanner Hendrickson, who's going to be producing the fast lane today. And he was saying, hey, I was looking at this article. None of the teams in the division have a top 15 farm system. Well, that's why the Cubs would make this move is because if you're trading Bryant and potentially Rizzo and Baez, uh, that's how you get prospects. That's how you go from being the 25th ranked farm system in baseball to the fifth ranked farm system in baseball overnight. It can happen for you quick. And you're doing this while just giving up one year of club control on all of these guys on players that you probably weren't going to resign because it doesn't work with your cycle. So I get it. I understand why they're going to do this. It makes a lot of sense to me. It also, if you're a Cardinals fan, gives you kind of mixed feelings because on one hand, you're going to be back in the same spot next year, which is good. Objectively, you're probably going to win the division. Might be the best thing, to be honest. I On mean, the other hand, though, it means that there's no real incentive to be able to go out there and make a big move. No, but look, I look at it a little differently now as much as it's frustrating to think about. If they don't make a move, like a substantial move, and they compete for the division, let's say they win the division or they get you know playoffs, coming up postseason baseball, and then they have a whole bunch of money that comes off the books. And I know that maybe Francisco Lindor will be gone by then, scooped up trade, but there are there are a whole slew of other players that will become available, and we don't know what the financial landscape from the CBA will be moving forward. Guys, I hate to say this, the Cardinals might actually be in a better spot if they stand pat. Probably. Well, it, they would be in a better spot with Francisco Lindor. Like let, let's make that very well, I understand clear. That, but but <laughs> no, but I, I understand what you're saying. But I mean, I'm just saying overall, instead of you know spending all that money on one player, they'll have a better lay of the land after they figure out the next CBA and moving forward. Absolutely. And six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service X line from the three one four. Holy cow, you guys are so negative. Quote: The Cardinals are the favorite to win the division. I know that sucks to hear. End quote. I get it. I understand it. But that also comes right before. You didn't say that from the I did from the six one eight. Hell yeah, we are officially the best team in the worst division, and that's kind of where I'm coming from. Is yes, the Cardinals are probably going to be the favorite, almost certainly going to be the favorite to win this division going into next year, and that is good. I would rather have that than the alternative. However, they will go into the year also, if you're looking at like the Vegas odds to win the National League, they will be behind the Dodgers, the Padres, the Braves, the probably the Mets, probably the Nationals. We'll see on the Phillies. We'll see on the Giants. Like It, it doesn't make you a contender no. that you are winning the division. It does, though, mean that you're playing meaningful baseball for like the 27th straight here. And we get a good text here, Air Comfort Service text line 65780 from the 636. Guys, boring baseball doesn't sell tickets. Okay, you're right. Yeah. But right but right now, we don't know if we're selling tickets anyways. So what does it really matter? And let's be honest, boring baseball doesn't sell tickets other places, but in St. Louis, it sells. It does normally. Consistently keeps 
bringing it people brings back. people in. And I'm not. It's not a shot at fans for wanting to watch it. It's the love of St. Louis that we've talked about in the past. It's the passion for the Cardinals. They're boring. It doesn't. It, it, no matter how you look at it, they're boring. You can't change that, and people still want to go see them. It's going to be an interesting time in this division, and the Cardinals are in the catbird seat right now, and we'll see if they decide to add, given that they are so far ahead, seemingly, of the rest of the division. But, man, it's if you were somebody that was looking for them to make the big move this offseason, I think today is a bad day. If you were somebody that just wanted them to win the division going into this upcoming season, I think today is a really good day for you. I think both of those things can be true at the same time, even if it does sound a little discombobulated while saying it. He's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. While the Cardinals are not making a whole lot of moves, the Blues did make some moves this offseason. And what would this team look like given the moves that they just made? In 2023 or 2024, it's a long way off. Jeremy Rutherford put together his projections yesterday, and we're going to talk to him about that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Excited to go out to the Brownie and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Jeremy Rutherford joining us here on 101 ESPN. He's the Blues Insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. Had a great piece earlier today on The Athletic about the Blues projected lineup for 2023-2024. JR, how you doing today, man? Doing well, both you guys. How you doing? All three of you. Doing very well. So let's dive into this piece that you put up because I found it really interesting. You put together a look at the 2023-2024 St. Louis Blues. And you were looking at, okay, if the team as currently constructed were taking the ice then, and you're not projecting free agent signings in terms of external improvements, you're just looking at the current roster plus the current prospects, who would be on that roster? It surprised me, Jr., how many current players you had on that team. So Jaden Schwartz was on there still, Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko. You had them uh, with Justin Falk still on the roster, Colton Pareko, uh, according to this, would have re-signed. Do you think the Blues are going to kind of try to keep this gang together for the foreseeable future based on this? Yeah, that's a good question. I think part of that was because uh, the guideline that I had is that if you had a contract that goes through the 23-24 season, then we had to keep you on the roster. And so that was uh, four of the guys, I believe, with uh, Shen and Falk and, and a couple more. And then you can kind of play with it and uh, and predict uh, who might resign in terms of free agents the Blues have uh, that will be need, need to be resigned prior to 23-24. And so I, I do feel like Jaden Schwartz is a guy that they'll try to uh, re-sign. Jordan Bennington is a guy that if he plays well uh, this season, he's a guy that could still be in the fold. So I do think that you see a lot of names, a lot of names that are on this current roster. Uh, what this project didn't allow is for me to uh, make any trades, for me to go out and sign any outside free agents or any buyouts. And so I think that's why there's a lot of similarities. I do think, uh, BK, by the time we get to 23-24, you're still going to see four, five, six, seven of these guys uh, that we're talking about, but certainly uh, the roster won't look completely like I have it uh, in the article today. Now, JR, the one thing um, that is going to happen that could change a lot of things is the expansion draft. Seattle Kraken coming into the league uh, after this next season and the Blues, let's be honest, the depth that they have is a blessing, but it's also a curse at the same time because you really hate to not be able to protect, well, all of your players 
But that's just not going to be the case. In your opinion, as that expansion draft gets closer and closer, who are some of the guys that you just think they might be at risk of being exposed? Not necessarily picked up or moved, but certainly maybe doesn't make the final cut of that short list. Yeah, when we started doing these uh, Seattle mock draft uh, protection lists a couple years ago, it just seemed so far away that uh, things were going to be entirely different by the time you had to put together the official uh, mock uh, list. But I, I think that now we're close enough that you can start to see uh, who's here, who's gone. Of course, Alex Petrangelo gone, uh, Tory Krug here. So you look at the format, and, and the Blues likely, like a lot of other teams, guys are going to protect probably seven forwards, uh, 3D, and the goalie. And you look at the 3D now, and it's a situation that sets up where you're going to protect uh, Tory Krug. Uh, you're going to protect uh, Colton Pareko. And I would think that the Blues, once they get Vince Dunn signed, would protect him. That would leave Justin Falk uh, vulnerable, exposed, and perhaps uh, the thinking there is that uh, Seattle wouldn't take on that big contract. You guys have talked about it for the past couple weeks and months. You know, if he plays well, could he play his way into a situation where they do protect him? You know, I do think that that's possible, uh, but I know how much they like Vince Dunn and want to get him re-signed and keep him in the fold. So that's the story on defense up front. Nobody wants to hear this again, but I do think that uh, David Perron could be a guy uh, who gets exposed again. Of course, the Blues lost him to Vegas, and he came back for that third time. Storybook uh, finish wins the Stanley Cup, uh, but he'll be 34 years old, and he has just one year left on his contract. So do you protect him and then lose a guy like a Jordan Cairo or someone else who has a long, bright uh, future? Uh, potentially, but I think uh, uh, Perron is a guy who could be in jeopardy. JR, would you just leave David Perron alone, please? I mean, all the, the guy just wants to play in St. Louis. Could you guys just leave him alone, please? It is wild to me. He's My gosh. The, every, everything he's ever done has said, I just want to play for the Blues. And yet he always ends up playing elsewhere. You know what's uh, what's funny about this? Uh, you know, Funny, probably not the right word, but honestly, 18 years or so of covering this team and he might be my favorite player to deal with. I mean, he's just so personable, calls you back, asks him questions, gives great insight, always there to help. And uh, believe me, every time I mention his name with this expansion draft or write an article about, you know, how things could go, it, it really does, uh, you know, to be honest, uh, kind of pain you to mention his name. All right, JR, you mentioned Vince Dunn earlier and so i've got a big question mark around vince dunn right now couple things one he hasn't signed his qualifying offer as of yet and you and i both know that there's really no strategy at this point he's not going to sit out as it sits the blue line is stacked with good players and potentially good players you don't want to let those guys start to eat before you get to the dinner table so you've got to get that contract signed where are we on that negotiation and is he a guy of the future could a scott perunovic or a mikola or one of those guys jump ahead of him? i know perunovic will be exempt because he won't have enough years uh but still you have to wonder yeah, I think there's two things happening here. First of all, Akash, if I've heard Doug Armstrong say it uh, one time, it's been a million times, is that it's a deadline league. And I've heard other general managers talk about uh, their restricted free agents around the league. There, there's just no deadline right now until they play. So, you know, uh, this is kind of like August with a, with a restricted free agent, and there was no arbitration. He didn't have arbitration rights, so there was no case there. And so now the two sides, they know where each other stand. Doug Armstrong told me that a couple weeks ago. 
and it just takes a phone call. But, you know, the phone call doesn't need to happen today or tomorrow. So while Yeah, but Blues Jared, here's my thoughts on this, okay? I've yep. been in this situation as the player, and I'm looking at it right now. I want to pick up the phone and call Vince Dunn and help him out here, okay? Because yep. I see what's happening in front of him. I see this blue line getting stronger and better and guys that are buying into it. And right now, unfortunately, even though it's just a business thing, Vince Dunn looks like he's on the outside looking in. And if I'm Craig Berube, I'm looking there going, he has no leverage. Why not just sign this deal? Get back to town, start working out, start doing your thing. Because as quickly as you're a prospect, you become suspect, and then they move on from you. It's just puzzling. Right, and it's it's a very fair point, but I think two things. Uh, I, I think uh, – Vince Dunn is an established guy in the league. He knows where he stands with the Blues. Yes, Perinovich and Mikola are coming. They're not there yet. They need to show that they can play in the NHL. Vince Dunn knows the Blues look to him as a guy who can play uh, in their future. And, and Riv, the thing here is, even if he signs tomorrow, you, you call Vince, hey, sign this thing, he signs. I can't imagine it's going to be more than a one-year deal. This is a guy who uh, has won a Stanley Cup and according to his contract, should have had arbitration rights yeah. oh, after boy. this past season. And, and that was a snafu with his prior agent. And so now he's sitting in a situation where he doesn't have arbitration rights. And with the cap not going up, if you're Vince Dunn, why would you want to sign for three or four years? So you can make yourself part of the future for the next four years by signing tomorrow, but it's not going to be worth it financially for him. I think this is a situation that plays out where it takes a few more weeks, maybe even right up to the report for training camp uh, for the Vince Dunn contract to get done and I can't see it being more than a year. Well, JR, the way it sits right now, Vince Dunn can just sign the contract tomorrow and it's only a year. That's the qualifying offer is a year. If the Blues are offering more than a year, that's one thing, but the qualifier to which they had to keep his rights is based off a one-year deal. So if I'm sitting here again, I'm looking back at Vince Dunn going, sign the dang qualifier and get to be part of this team and move forward. After next year, you get the leverage and that's when maybe... Maybe at that point you get the deal you're looking for. Right, Rib, but perhaps he's holding out hope that he can, you know, get closer to camp. The Blues really need him and he gets more than yeah. what they Well, that's just, he's getting him. bad advice, yeah. JR. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> We're talking to Jeremy Rutherford, Blues Insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. Give him a follow on Twitter at JP Rutherford. Uh, JR, the last thing that I wanted to ask you about today was uh, kind of related to this piece that you put out. And as I'm looking at the free agency decisions that the Blues are going to have to make after the season, Bennington, Dunn, Schwartz, all going to be free agents after the year, uh, unrestricted free agents. Thomas is a restricted free agent. I know that's a little bit different for them. And then Pareko is going to come up after 2022. Aren't they going to have to start making some decisions kind of the way that they did with Petro? I mean, I, I understand they would love to bring back all of these guys and have them all signed long term. But this is the price of winning. And the Blues did a little bit of that here pretty recently. And so I, I just have a hard time believing you're going to be able to, for instance, bring back Schwartz and then the following offseason with the demon that they currently have also then be able to re-sign long term Colton Pareko. Yeah, BK, what the curveball was here is that uh, not many people, if any, expected Tory Krug to be the plan B. And so you felt like if you didn't sign Alex Petrangelo that you're going to have some uh, room, some fudge room the next couple of years to be able to sign some of these guys. Because you're right, you know, Pareko's goes up in a couple of years, uh, Schwartz next year, Thomas for sure is a guy they'll want to bring back. 
uh, they're, they're going to have to sign the room or cut bait with one of those guys. And a lot of that has to do with uh, bringing Krug in. And instead of paying Alex Petrangelo eight times eight, uh, you're still paying uh, Tory Krug 6.5 uh, times seven. So um, I think you can look at that list of names that you just talked about, and Rivs can do it too, that uh, Colton Pareko is a guy that's definitely going to be here. You think because of what the Blues have on the left side and how much they like Jane Schwartz, he's going to be there. Robert Thomas is going to be there. Those three guys I think you can look at. And then, of course, uh, after Jordan Bennington, there's not much in the organization. Billy Uso hasn't played a game. Those other guys are 20, 22 years old and, and still have a ways uh, until they're NHL ready. So Bennington's another guy that you're going to have to factor in. And let's not forget that the cap isn't going to be going right. up probably the next couple of years. So BK, uh, good points here. Uh, the Blues likely to lose one or two of these names that we're talking about. Hence, my 23-24 <laughs> lineup won't look anything like it does on the website today. <laughs> so if I'm sitting here and I want to throw one more wrench into everything, JR, because that's kind of where we're headed here. That's what you do. Yeah, yeah that's kind of <laughs> what I do. Uh, there's a guy named Ryan O'Reilly that his contract's going to come up at the exact same time as Colton Pareko. Uh, and you have Jaden Schwartz that you mentioned the team would like to keep. You have Braden Shan on a long-term deal, Tory Krug on a long-term deal. As it sits right now, Justin Falk on a long, long-term deal. How do we see this thing playing out? Because as it sits, Doug Armstrong traded for a no-move, heavy signing bonus contract. And he said, look, I was handed that contract. But do you really think Ryan O'Reilly is going to give that back to the organization after getting it? And if there's a problem there, what do you do with Colton Pareko? How are they going to stick handle their way through this? Yeah, it's three more years of O'Reilly and Tarasenko, and obviously we'll save Tarasenko for another day because he's got the injury history that he's going to have to come back from. Uh, but Ryan O'Reilly, look, he's going to be early 30s, uh, you know, approaching mid-30s, uh, still a young guy who you would think would be able to produce. So um, is he going to be looking for a large contract? We don't know. You know, this has been a team-friendly one that the Blues inherited from Buffalo, $7.5 million for a guy who's a Conn Smythe winner has just been incredible. So I don't know what kind of money he's going to to be looking for but but i believe that uh, once they get to that year you're talking three more seasons of these guys uh ryan o'reilly and tarasenko both do we're just going to have to know where they are health-wise and where they are producing and then also where the cap is but uh you know doug armstrong when it gets to that point a couple really tough decisions because those are the big uh poster boys of this uh, franchise right now he's jeremy rutherford find his work over at the athletic that's where you find his fantastic piece kind of looking towards the future with 2023 2024 jr we always appreciate the time man we look forward to talking with you again next week Thanks, guys. Absolutely. That's Jeremy Rutherford here on 101 ESPN. The big thing here like that I wanted to kind of get at as we were talking with JR is there's a lot of big decisions coming up. Mm-hmm. I know this offseason felt like it was kind of sitting on pins and needles the whole time because, of course, Petro was the big pivot point. Next offseason isn't going to be a whole lot different where you've got Bennington and Dunn and Thomas as a restricted free agent, which is similar to where you're at with Dunn this offseason, and then Schwartz as well. I mean, Bennington and Schwartz are huge pivot points for this team and what they're going to look like for this projected 2023-2024 lineup. Because if you bring back Schwartz, you're picking him over somebody, whether that be Ryan O'Reilly or if you're picking him over Colton Pareko. Like that's that's the kind of move yeah. that that would ultimately be. It wouldn't be that in the moment. It wouldn't feel that way. But when you get to the next offseason, when you do have Pareko coming up and then you get to the next offseason after that and you've got O'Reilly coming up, that's when you start to see the ramifications of moves like this, decisions like this. 
it's tough, man. And look, I, I, I think everybody would like to see Jaden Schwartz stay. I do. My opinion is I feel the Blues move on from Jaden Schwartz, whether it's via trade and acquire some young prospects or draft choices, because you have to, you have to remember the cycle of life, like we talked about with the Cardinals, to where you stock the cupboards full of prospects. The, those cupboards are kind of bare right now for the Blues. There's not a whole lot in those cupboards. So Jaden Schwartz with a year left on his deal. If you move him along, you might get a couple of prospects, some good draft picks, and you start to restock that cupboard for when Tarasenko and O'Reilly come up, for when Colton Pareko comes due with the contract, for when Vince Dunn maybe is done with another one-year arbitration deal. Whatever it is, you have to have replacements for them. And as of right now, you don't. So I see the Blues having a hard time keeping Jaden Schwartz if they want to hang on to Tarasenko, Shen, O'Reilly, and Perron. Real quick, a lot of this, too, in my eyes, resides around a couple of players. Robert Thomas's growth, because if Robert Thomas turns into an elite number one center, you might be able to move on from Ryan O'Reilly because you have Braden Shen. If Jordan Cairo turns into an elite scorer on the wing, you might be able to move on from Jaden Schwartz. But I don't know if you're going to get those two things that can give you that opportunity. And it's got to happen now. It's got to be. Yeah. You got to have depth of scoring, which is not just Cairo. It's Sanford. It's Blay. I mean, you need some wingers to start turning into something that are cheap, cost controlled. Because if not, you have to bring Schwartz. Well, and back. you can't just count on Cairo because he hasn't done anything that's yet. Right. And, and that's so why this we're year sitting is here so saying, big. "Oh, he's going to be the guy." But he may not be the guy. But that's why this year is so big for Jordan Cairo. Yep. And Sanford's what up after this season? This is his yeah, he last signed a year. Two-year deal, yeah. so this is the last year. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's another one that you've got to make a decision on him this year as well. It's a huge year for the yep. Blues. They've got it, more, even more so maybe than the winning, which obviously we're all hoping that they do a lot of that. And I think they're going to be a really good team this year, and we'll get to plenty more of that as the games get closer. But even more important than that, in terms of the big picture construction of this roster. It's a massive season for so many guys that are pivotal points in what they're going to be for the years to come. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Questions and answers coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers, guys. Do you think Russell Wilson is still in the MVP category after his last couple of weeks have been less than ideal? I do not. Mm. I do not feel like he is. I think that uh, Patrick Mahomes for sure. I think Kyler Murray for sure, and I think Aaron Rodgers. That's your top three. Book it. Putting Josh Allen in there too. Oh God. Like it or not, I'm putting Josh Allen in here. I think Josh Allen has over stepped a couple of different people. So yeah, I'm going to put Josh Allen in there. Why is Josh Allen in and Ben Roethlisberger's not? Yeah, Alex. What? Just out of curiosity. I don't know. I didn't think of Big Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger's name. You know why, Ben? That, that sounded a lot more accusatory it than did. I did. It sounded like, hey, Ferrario, why is Big Ben not there? I, was like, mm, I sounded I'm like a prosecutor chair. doing Jesus. like but here's cross-examination. Get the lamp off me, bro. Here's, the, here's my opinion on why Big Ben gets overlooked. Is he doesn't really do anything fancy, right? Yeah. Like when you think of Ben Roethlisberger, you don't think of like shake and bake out there and he's moving around, right? But he is. Well, he's undefeated so far this season 22 touchdowns and, four picks like and, and you think of any you guys a common football fan when you say pittsburgh Steelers, what do you think of 
Defense. Mike Tomlin. Defense. Yeah. I think defense. I think TJ Watt. I think that secondary, including Casey Hayward. I think defense before I think Big Big Ben. Honestly, I might put Juju Smith Schuster in before I'm talking Big Ben. So I wouldn't go there. I, I would say Big Ben has now become the face of the passing game again, just because, I mean, you've got Chase face. Claypool. It is, a, it is a very large it's a very face. very large cranium. You've got Claypool, Juju. You've got Deontay Johnson. Right. Now you've got a lot of receivers that have get, gotten into the mix there. I would probably say Ben is the face of the offense now, but... I see what you're saying with the defense. He does have a lot of other parts, and it is just a really good situation as a whole. So yeah. I understand that. I would say Russ deserves to still be in the conversation, though. The interception numbers are... His s- next couple of games, to me, will be will tell us everything. But is sure. it Russ, or are you talking DK Metcalf? Because I think Metcalf is making an awful lot of Russell Wilson. Yeah, and I think without we saw that Wilson, on Sunday. Though, you don't have Metcalf. Like, Metcalf can't exist without Wilson. You could flip that around too, though. No, you don't have no, no. Wilson's numbers without Metcalf. I mean, Tyler Lockett's been good, but not as what good as DK first, Metcalf. It's a chicken or the egg. Don't get into this conversation. Thursday is going to be huge. Cardinals versus the Seahawks on Thursday night football. You're going to hear that game, by the way, right here on 101 ESPN. We'll have pregame coverage Thursday night at seven o'clock. Seven. All right. That's going to be a big one because if the Seahawks are able to win that game and Russ is the key reason why they win that game, suddenly some of the conversations that people have been having over the last 48 hours will look silly because then he will go head to head with Kyler Murray and be the victor and be the reason why they were the victor. So I will not count him out of this race just yet. I think that it is a little bit more open than it was a week ago. Still think Mahomes is the leader. I think you've got Aaron Rodgers, Ben, uh, Russell Wilson. I think Brady probably is working his way back into this conversation a bit. I think all of these guys are kind of right behind him. But I would say as of today, Mahomes would be my MVP. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Guys, do you think if the Cardinals knew they could have X number of people in the stands, that could have an impact on how much they would be willing to spend in free agency? Or do you think that they're just in a situation where they're going to cut payroll regardless? Well, I think they're going to cut payroll regardless. Um, But yeah, it would be nice to have the crystal ball and have an idea of what you'll have as far as a set revenue or close to a set revenue with fans attending the games. Uh, I just don't think that's going to be possible. I think that it's going to be, as we know, the word fluid has become massive in 2020. I think it's going to be a fluid situation where you could start with 10%, maybe 15, maybe 20%. But right now we're seeing like even in Philadelphia, now they're back down to 0%. So again, if you started to build your model off of what, let's say the Eagles, what they had going, and now your model just got kicked to the curb, then it obviously affects things. So I think the only thing you can be sure of if you're the Cardinals is that you have to not lose a lot of money, try to cut costs, get through the 2021 season, get some money off the books, and hopefully at that point, things in all walks of life are headed in the right direction. I think the only thing that you're sure of that the Cardinals would add is if they knew for a full season it would be full attendance. Other than that, they're cutting costs no matter what. I don't care if they're told Ziga 75 attendance for this upcoming season. Still going to cut costs. Yeah, it seems like that's kind of where they're headed. Um, it would certainly be helpful if they knew. If they knew today you were going to have full attendance for the entire season. I don't know how you could possibly know that. But if in a hypothetical scenario they had that information, I think then suddenly all of the conversations that we're having right now are a little bit different. I think then you could bring back 
Yachty, Wayno, and add Jock Peterson or Lestella or your guy Scope. Like, I, I think you could make those kinds of moves if they knew now that they were going to be able to have the full fans in the stands all year. I don't think that's on the table because there's no way that you could possibly know that right now. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, Dave Schoenfeld wrote yesterday about this upcoming free agent class, well, the current free agent class, and some of the guys that could go under the radar. In other words, the guys that the Cardinals could actually sign. We're going to talk to him about that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Blue superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line on what has been a busy day in the baseball world. Big news coming out of Chicago. Theo Epstein has officially decided to step down a year earlier than people were anticipating. The Cubs looking like they are going into a re- rebuilding cycle. And with that as the backdrop, we go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be jo- joined by David Schoenfeld, senior writer for ESPN.com. Dave, always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? Hey, guys. Happy Tuesday. How are you? Yeah, doing well. So let's start with the Theo Epstein news. What do you think this signals for the for the Cubs? Are they about to go into a true rebuild, in your opinion? Well, yeah, that was the big question, you know, even if he was going to stay there for another year. What do they do, obviously, with Rizzo, Bryant, Schwarber, Baez, all free agents after 2021? Uh, they have the most difficult choices to make uh, of any team this offseason. So, yeah, one reason that Theo said he's stepping down, get out of the way, let Jen Hoyer uh, take over and do what the organization needs to do. Now, what will that be? I don't know. Some of those guys are going to be hard to trade because of their salaries, or in the case of Bryant and Baez in particular, they had really bad 2020 seasons. Their trade value has plummeted. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting uh, three months here for the Cubs. So then the next question to follow up to this is where does Theo Epstein land on his feet? Because, you know, you look at some teams that are out there that don't have the president or general manager. And I, I spit it out earlier today that, dang, he's going to end up with the Mets and he's going to try and build a championship <laughs> there. But I do know he has had interest in the past of being an owner. So where do you think he lands? Yeah, yeah. So the Mets and Phillies do have an opening. You know, the others are reporting he's going to take a year off. You know, our our own Jeff Passan obtained a letter that Theo had emailed the friend saying he's looking forward next summer to not having to go to the ballpark every day for the first time in 30 years. So all indications are he's not going to land with the Mets and the Phillies. He's going to take a year off. So then what? You're right. Um, there's the potential that he joins some kind of ownership group. Um, I think a lot of people have also speculated through the years that he joins the league office. He's always been a guy very interested in not only the future of the game, but how the game is operated, you know, whether it's the rule changes, the relationships between the owners and the players, he could get involved in that area. Um, of course, way back when, People rumored he'd get into politics, although he always dismissed that idea. 
Yeah, I would lean towards ownership or getting into the league office in some fashion. We're talking to David Schoenfeld, senior writer for ESPN.com, joining us here on 101 ESPN. David, I guess the natural follow-up here in St. Louis, at least kind of localizing this, is, okay, so the Cubs potentially going into a little bit of, even if it is a soft rebuild this upcoming season, looks like Trevor Bauer probably not going to be back in Cincinnati are the Cardinals going to go into next year, even without significant upgrades as the pretty clear favorite in this division? Yeah. You know, it's funny that NL central is, is pretty mediocre last year, right? Nobody hit and you nailed it. You know, the Cubs, I think you're right. Soft rebuild is probably the way I would phrase it. They're not going to go all in for sure. The Brewers, they're, they're in a bind right now. They really run up their payroll the last couple of years. They don't have room. They lost a lot of money last year. I look for them to kind of, at the minimum, just stay put and maybe even make a couple of trade-offs like a Josh Hader. So, yeah, the Cardinals, <laughs> you know, and I know people weren't happy with what happened last year, you know, a lot of uh, bumps along the way, of course. But, yeah, they, they if they make a couple moves, I'm with you. I think they might go into the 2021 season as the favorite. Yeah, look, I don't even know if they have to be substantial moves for that if if the rest of the division is kind of trending in the other direction. But my buddy here, BK, he has absolutely beat up a Francisco Lindor trade to the Cardinals. In your opinion... Who uh, wants that guy? what, What would it take from the Cardinals to acquire Lindor? And is it actually even a possibility? Or is my buddy here just, you know, drinking too much of Grandpa's cough syrup? Well, let me. I should. I should cheat and go look. My colleague Brad Doolittle had a piece today on the potential Lindor craze. I don't know where he ranked the Cardinals. They were but, like eleventh. Uh, they were too low. <laughs> yeah. I, did he have Dylan Carlson in that deal? Because that's who Cleveland's going to ask for. But St. Louis is going to say no to that. You're not going to trade. Yeah, you know, he said six, basically six one years. of Lane Thomas, Tyler O'Neill, Bader, or Austin Dean, along with potentially Paul DeYoung for Francisco Lindor. Ooh. Yeah, that, that's a little more reasonable. Look, it, it, you know, it's hard to trade in a way these superstar players, which sounds like a weird thing to say, but they make a lot of money. I think Lindor is going to make about what twenty-three million or mm-hmm. something estimated this year. You know, so that's a lot of money to take on. Plus, are you going to give you know talent back? You know, so those are really tough decisions for for teams to make. Uh, but yeah, if you, you know, Lane Thomas, he's okay. You know, you're not going to miss him. DeYoung's, I think, a very underrated player. So you're giving up value there, but you're getting, you know, a, a potential MVP caliber player. So yeah, St. Louis, look, they, they rolled the dice a couple years ago on Goldschmidt, kind of mixed reviews maybe on that deal. I don't know if they have the, uh, the uh, cojones to make another big trade like that. So, David, when they don't make that trade, because they're not going to, let's be honest, um, <laughs> what what are the guys that are under the radar? I mean, we're looking at the, the bargain bin types of deals, that's probably going to be where they're shopping this offseason if they decide to add externally. Who do you think could help this team? They need slugging. They need somebody potentially that could play third base. Uh, you could use somebody that could be a DH if that ends up being universal. Who are some guys that you would look at that are on the market that might be a little cheaper, four, five, six million dollar range that could come in and help this offense? Yeah, I think you mentioned this in uh, the email you sent me yesterday. You know, Doc Peterson, what Cardinals I have it up here. Their outfielders last year, 23rd in the majors in OPS. Obviously, as a team, I believe they were last 
in at least the National League in home runs. They need power. Uh, Jock Peterson, he's a platoon guy, so that's a that's a strike against him. But 36 home runs two years ago, um, left-handed bat. He always wants those, you know, so he can fill in at left field for DH. Uh, so I think he's a guy, but he's going to be more than five or six million, I think. Um, and it might take a two-year deal to get him away from the Dodgers. Um, third base. I mean, Justin Turner's out there. You know, I think he returns, you know, to L.A. in the the end. And he's another guy probably takes a two-year deal. Uh, So those are a little more high-end. I'd have to go through my second-tier free agents to fit a a cheap guy. Maybe you have somebody in mind. What about Tommy LaStella or Jonathan Scope? Yeah, yeah. LaStella, I love. He's a really underrated player, hardest guy in the league to strike out. He's added a little power the last couple of years. Not a great defender, but he can play third. Um, I'm re- he's a really nice fit. You know, I, again, I think you look at, at, you know, maybe two years, $20 million for him. There's going to be a lot of interest because he's, he's a good kind of secondary player on a championship quality team. David, I so was he, told he, that this market was going to be suppressed. <laughs> I know. I could be, look, I could be totally wrong, but Drew Smiley just got $11 million. He's had five good starts in the last four years. And he got, you know, look, if you're willing to sign for one year, the, at least the early signings with uh, Robbie Ray and, and uh, Smiley are like the money might be there for a one-year deal. I'm so glad you brought that up. That was actually going to be my next question because I, I thought the same thing yesterday as I was looking at a one-year $11 million deal for Drew Smiley. Like, h- how is he getting that? <laughs> He's 31. He started 26 games over the last three years. He was good last year, but it came in 26 innings. How is that guy getting $11 million if this is going to be some sort of a suppressed market? Yeah, that shocked me. You know, uh, look, I know he was really good, but it was 26 innings, you know, and I looked up his opponents. He faced a lot of bad lineups, except for one game against the Dodgers, you know, so, but the numbers were great. You know, it's, it's a roll of the dice, you know, and the Braves, Look, they did this last year. They signed Will Smith right off the bat. So maybe they just want to get something done because that makes the rest of your offseason easier to plan out if you know you've plugged the hole. But, yeah, I was shocked at that, that dollar amount. David, some of the, uh, the the percentages came out for the Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, the name we're familiar with here is Scott Rowland. Yeah. What what are the percentages on a guy like Scott Rowland getting to the Hall of Fame? I feel like he deserves it, but I feel like he gets overlooked a lot. Yeah, I, I did a little preview yesterday. I did not write about Scott Rowland, um, but he's one of those guys. I would vote for him. I, I'm a couple years away from having to vote, so that doesn't help. <laughs> but uh, he's trending in the right direction. And I think the big key for a guy like him, who's a borderline guy, is in the last few years, they've cleared a lot of names off the ballot. 13 players have been elected in the last four years. So we look at this year's ballot, it's really thinned out. You know, throw out Bonds and Clemens and your, whatever your view is on those two. Otherwise, there's not any slam dunk Hall of Famers. So that's going to help, help Kurt Schilling, and it's going to help guys like Scott Rowan and Billy Wagner get their percentages up. And then once your percentage starts going up, you just kind of get on that steamroll, you know. So I think he's in a pretty good shape. If he gets up to around 50% this year, I think he then gets in in a few years. Do you think anybody gets in this year, David? I think Shelly's probably the only guy. He was 70% last year, 
so he's five percent uh, away. I know there's there's a lot of controversy, but he took a big leap last year. And again, the ballot's weak. Voters want to vote for somebody. <laughs> you know, very few people want to send in a blank ballot, right? So. Showing to me is probably the only guy that gets in. And we got to put that bloody sock in the hall, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. And look, aside from his uh, social media feeds, I think he's a deserving Hall of Famer. His postseason resume is unbelievable. Baseball only, he deserves to get in. Well, David, we appreciate the time, man. We look forward to talking with you again soon. Hopefully, eventually, baseball gets it together and we're actually going to have some real moves to be able to talk about. But we'll be reading you over on ESPN.com. Thanks so much for the time today, man. All right. Thanks, guys. You got it. That's David Schoenfeld joining us here on 101 ESPN. That that smiley contract that was released yesterday, Jamie, that, that was announced one year, $11 million. It made me really pessimistic as a Cardinals fan. (laughs) I don't know how you can look at that and be like, oh, yeah, super suppressed market for the dude that started 25 games over the last three years to get a one-year $11 million deal. That's what he would have got last year or five years ago. (laughs) When the numbers that David was throwing around, I'm like, wait a minute. I thought this was going to be bargain bin time. Tommy LaStella, two years, $20 million? If, if that's what he's looking at. He never at, got the scope, eh? No, of course he not. He never got the scope. Of course not. BK got didn't know we were sending emails about the people yeah. we're talking about. Leading okay. the witness, Come on. I believe. Is that what, hey, that's what they call to it, To be right? honest, I'm sure Drew Smiley was all smiles when he signed that contract. Oh, that's terrible. No. No. Yep. No. I'm sorry. Do you control this board? time check brought Fade to you by Clarkson back. Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. So we can all agree Neither of the teams that we watched last night are going to be doing anything, anything resembling playing in the postseason this year, right? We're talking about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Foles lost one and just beyond the outstretched hands of Anthony Miller. It was there. These offensive line is broken. Their coaching is broken. Their play calling is broken. Their quarterback is bro- broken. And you know who we need to blame? Ryan Pace. That guy got to go. And Matt Nagy got to go. This is the one of the worst offensive performance I ever seen against the worst defense that we played. Come on, guys. That was Sonny on 670. The score that play-by-play courtesy of ESPN last Everybody night. Everybody must go! The Bears and the Vikings just played, and we are all worse for having watched a second of that football game. (laughs) We are all worse. Actually, not true. Not true. That one catch alone was worth me watching the 10 minutes I watched. No, no, it wasn't. Thielen? Yes, and no, it wasn't. That was an amazing catch. One-handed catch, diving Alex Trebek cleats. Doesn't get better than that. The Bears averaged three yards per play yesterday. Yeah, pick away sometimes, BK. Per play. Pick away. <laughs> when they threw the football yesterday, they averaged four yards per attempt. Four. A good game is eight. They were half of that yesterday. Jamie, I said going into last night, hey, if there's any surprise contenders in the NFC, any NFC playoff teams that could surprise us, it will be one of these two. This is a, a maker. Win or go home type of a game. They both lost. I know that there was technically one of them's going to make the playoffs. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. How in the NFC? I'm telling you, one of these teams is going you to. You got to win the, the division if you're one of those teams to get into the playoffs. And they're not beating the Packers. 
I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know how. Um, neither of those teams. Last night, what I learned from that game <laughs> is that n- there there are no more contenders other than the seven that we've talked so much about. The Packers in the NFC North. Whoever wins the NFC East, and God forbid somebody actually has to win that conference or that division. <laughs> that should be a bye week. The Saints and the uh, Bucks from the NFC South. And then you've got the Cardinals, Rams, and Seahawks from the NFC West. Those are your seven playoff teams from the NFC, NFC, and I don't think there's anybody else that can get into the mix at this point. The remainder of the season is about the standings and about what your seed's going to be and who you're going to play. But we are 10 weeks into the NFL season, and guys, we can call it. We, we can call it this, the seven teams that will make the NFC postseason are officially already in the books. Yeah, I agree. I mean, as I look at it, I mean, I was kind of half joking earlier. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just the, the NFC East is just putrid and the NFC North is just putrid apart from the Packers. And there are some good teams as you head down to the other division. So, yeah, this one's I think this one's locked and loaded. The crappy part is. The Bears defense was really fun to watch last night. Like to be able to stuff Dalvin Cook, who I said yesterday at least should be in the conversation of MVP for how he's played this season. Bears made him look like he was mediocre. But I I think I saw a former Bear put a grade out for them last night. I mean, he gave the offense an F minus and rightfully so. I mean, they don't have anything. I mean, you're using Cordero Patterson as your running back. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, why is he? Because they didn't have anybody else. David Montgomery was out with a concussion, and they're already without Tariq Cohen. He's been out for a while now. When do we start talking about them being poor at drafting offense like the Patriots are poor at drafting offense? Oh, now. We can talk about that today. (laughs) Difference is the Patriots have had quite the runway behind them of success. Yeah, they had Tom Brady and they had Bill Belichick, and that changes everything. I mean, it's the the Bears are done, and the problem for them is that they're in this no-man's land of their defense is too good for them to truly tank. I mean, they are 5-5 and on the season. They're not going to finish with a top-five pick. They might not even be able to finish with a top-ten pick, although with their quarterback situation, maybe that feels more likely, at least now today, than it did previously. they're, They're bad, but they're not bad enough. Not bad enough. So where do they go? Uh, they're here. They're, they're stuck gonna have in this. To, like sign a guy like James Winston and yeah. try to or hope that he's the new answer to their problems on offense uh, because they're not going to get a high enough draft pick to draft a franchise quarterback. Absolutely. And they this goes back to the original sin of them not taking Deshaun Watson whenever they decided to go with <laughs> no, Mitchell Trubisky. Patrick Mahomes well, when at, they had the chance. At least Mahomes, there was an explanation. I can understand how you would watch what he was doing at Texas Tech and be like, yeah, we're not sure if that's going to work in this league. But didn't I Trubisky only play like 15 games? Yes. The problem was they passed up on the superstar quarterback that won a national championship Championship and every time he played Alabama, dominated Alabama. I don't know how you could watch that and be like, ah, we're going to take this dude from North Carolina who started 12 games. That was the original sin for them. I'm glad you did bring up Jameis Winston, Jamie, because he's got a really big opportunity ahead of him this upcoming weekend. Sounds like Drew Brees is going to be out for a little while, and it also appears that Jameis Winston is going to be the new starter for the New Orleans Saints. He's going up against the Falcons this weekend. Their defense is atrocious. The next one up is the Broncos. Their defense is fine, but it's not as good as it has been in recent years. Then you've got the Falcons again, and then you've got the Eagles. If he gets this full month, this is basically what Teddy Bridgewater did a year ago, where he had an audition. He was in a really good system with pretty good weapons around him, a good offensive line in front of him, and he was able to make the most of it to the point where he then got an opportunity 
to now be the starter for the Carolina Panthers. That's Jameis right now. Jameis is going to have an opportunity if he plays well over the next few weeks to be a starter for maybe it's the Bears. Uh, Whoever it is that's out there looking for a quarterback that can't get one in the top five of the draft, Jameis Winston is auditioning for that team right now. Let me ask you this. The Saints are so high on Taysom Hill that why is he not the automatic? Like everybody thought that he's the automatic and they're so high on him and he's going to be the guy after Drew Brees. Especially when you gave him the extension of two years and $16 million. Yeah. So look, I I understand that Jameis Winston's a talented guy and maybe the vision problems really did come into it. I don't know. Maybe Bruce Arians, who apparently has trouble with every quarterback, uh, even a guy named Tom Brady. But why, why Winston over Hill? I don't know. I don't know. I I like it. I prefer it. I think Jameis is really talented. I think he's got some clear, obvious deficiencies. He throws the ball to the wrong team too often, but he's a talented quarterback who, if he can, he doesn't even have to fix the turnover issues. Those are always going to be there for him. If he can relax them a little bit, if he can go back to being like below average at turnovers, he can be a pretty good quarterback for somebody. He could be a Patriot. He could be. I, I don't know that that's a Bill Belichick-style quarterback, uh, but maybe. I mean, he could be a quarterback for a lot Cam of different Newton's teams. Cam not really a Bill Belichick-style guy either. He doesn't turn the ball over a lot, so he's got that going for him, and I think that's like the number one thing Belichick would hate yeah, about Jameis Winston. But he's he's absolutely talented enough to be a starter somewhere. But to your Taysom Hill point, he was the guy that was supposed to be the future. You mentioned it, Ferrario. They gave him $16 million. That's guaranteed, too, isn't he's gonna, it? Yes, and he's going to make that next year. He's going to make $11 million whether he's on the team or not next year. And they've got some big-time cap issues going into the upcoming season as well, especially with the cap taking a step back after this year with the revenue loss. I don't know why they gave him that. That's that's something that they're going to regret if they don't view him as their future starter. And if they're going with Jameis this week over him, that seems to indicate to all of us that they're not going with him as their future starter, right? Am I am I misreading no, this I mean, in any well, way, shape, or form? May, I don't know. Well, how do you how do you go back to Hill after this? I mean, if Winston's terrible, you go back to Hill, and I guess you have your answer. But I don't know if it's going to be solely Winston, though. I mean, even with Breeze, Taysom Hill is in an awful lot of packages yeah, as running back. He's thrown the ball a couple of times too, to where he throws some touchdowns. You know what's I, more valuable than that? Being the full-time starter at quarterback. Yeah, but maybe they, maybe they like the packages of using Taysom Hill and somebody else 50-50 to throw defenses off. I don't like it's, that. It's I can't worth... see Sean Payton doing that. He's been doing it. No, but like I can't see him doing it like college style where you have half your plays designed for one quarterback, half your plays designed for another. I just think that's the way they look at Taysom Hill. I mean, otherwise, why else would you go just get Just give a... him a running back jersey. Why would you go get another quarterback if you don't trust him at your full-time? Well, that's that's the question that a lot of people were asking, and they gave him a sixteen million dollar contract because I think they use him as a wide receiver, a running back, a fullback, and a quarterback. He has a lot of money for a utility player. His eighteen career pass attempts in three seasons. Eighteen. He's thrown for two hundred yards in three years as a quarterback. He's a running back. Like if this is the way that you're going to utilize him, he's a running back for your offense. And frankly, if this is the way you're utilizing him, you're not getting enough out of him to take advantage of a $16 million contract. $8 million would be one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL now. What are his rush yards? <laughs> he So in his entire career, which is 46 games, he has 100 carries for 500 yards and four touchdowns. Oh, that's not bad. It, no, he, he's effective. <laughs> that's, that's not bad. 100 carries, though, in three seasons? 
That's like your third string running back on a typical team. And this dude's making $8 million a year for it. it yeah. It's wild. He's I, being paid quite a bit. And we know you hate running backs. Okay. Amen. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. All right. I've got to get up on my soapbox. You guys know I'm an NBA fan. And last night was fun as hell as an NBA fan because there were transactions happening all over the place. How is Major League Baseball so bad at this? We're going to talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. They would have to get back a monster haul to justify moving him. But because he has two years left on his deal, time's on their side. They're not up against him walking as a free agent. So so right now, I think the Rockets are going to slow play this. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. That was Adrian Wojnarowski earlier today talking about the big news overnight. Sounds like James Harden is asking out of Houston. He would like to go to Brooklyn. And that wasn't the only move last night. The Milwaukee Bucks basically mortgaged their entire future. They gave up all of the draft picks to be able to get Drew Holiday, who's a really good player, a really nice player, but not somebody you would typically give up that kind of a haul for because they think that by getting him, they are now going to be able to keep Giannis long term. I'm not much interested in talking about the individual moves. I don't think a whole lot of our audience. I want to talk about, about Harden. Okay, we can get into that. I want to talk about that guy. There's so like, let's start there. There's a curveball. Let's start with the James Harden thing. Jamie, yeah. what do you got on that? Well, this guy bugs me. Okay? okay, because he is this phenomenal talent, and every year he wins individual awards, and now all of a sudden, he wants to go play with the Nets. Is it? This is what bothers me about certain basketball players is that they can't do it on their own. They can't be a part of the core or nucleus of a team to win a championship. So then they jump to the next lily pad that has players ready to go. So he's going to jump to the nets now with Kevin Durant and whatever they have, Kyrie Irving, I believe. And now he's going to go and take a run at his championship there. It's the easy route for teams. Can I defend him for a second, though, to to at least present what the other side of this is? Because I'm certainly no James Harden defender. As you guys know, I called him a loser the other day. Um, the, The reason why this is coming out now is because their general manager just left. Their owner is a POS. He's a dude that has basically. Yeah. Why you don't like him? He's got some issues and really? yeah, he, he has not exactly good restaurants. He hasn't exactly made a whole lot of friends within that um, team. He has been treating it like a mom pa shop. He's been going cheap on everything lately. Uh, and James Harden, as a result, is asking out now because they appear to be going in a different direction. They're now going in a direction that he was not sold whenever he signed his long-term extension. Maybe if he'd have brought them a championship by now, he'd be okay with Daryl Morey in charge, and Daryl Morey is no longer in charge. So he doesn't have his coach. He doesn't have his GM. He was sold something else, and that is no longer there. Now he wants out as a result of all of that. But on the flip side of that, and I know we don't want to get too deep into this player move, but... Did, did they do everything they could to put a winning team around James Harden? They, did build they a traded home. for Chris Paul. They traded for Russell Westbrook. At some point, if you're James Harden, don't you got to say, hey, this is more me than it is the team? Sure, and I, I don't think this is about the winning. I, I don't think any of this is about the I, winning I now. I think it's about Durant. I think he wants to go play with Durant again. I, I think it's about the owner. I think he's I think, afraid to be failure now that the owner's headed in the other direction. I don't think it's about failure. I, th- I think it's about him saying, OK, this team is about to go into a really rough cycle. I don't want to be a part of that. I would rather go elsewhere where I can win because let's be honest, you so can't want it easy. 
No, he wants to not have to do it alone because the Rockets are about to stink and he's going to go out there and he's going to do his thing where he scores 35 every night, but everybody around him stinks. So why would I want to stand, stay there for the rest of my career when I can go elsewhere and win? Is it easier there? Yeah, but I mean, you think it Connor been- McDavid wouldn't like to play on a winning team, but he's had to try and go through these losing teams in the NHL. Yeah, but, they've, but they've got a good organization around him. And hockey's different. They too. did not. That's a, that is that is fiction. Now, they as of last year, as of last year, they have a good organization. And he was how old whenever they were bad? Uh, like 20? Yeah, very young. James Harden's like 30. And hockey's different, too, because basketball, you put a, a star on a roster of... You put two stars together on a roster that can mesh or three stars together like he would be in Brooklyn, yeah. you got a championship caliber. McDavid goes somewhere with another star. Hell, he's with somebody that's another star. It's still not a championship Harden roster. Harden was that guy. Harden was involved with the Rockets in the early part of their process whenever they were trying to build into what they ultimately became. And where they been to the finals before, if I'm not mistaken. Ended up in the Western Conference Finals, but lost yeah. and were really close against the Warriors. Gave the Warriors their best shot. Mm-hmm. Harden's now 31. He's, he's going to be 32 next season. And so if, if he was 23... Totally different conversation. He's probably staying in Houston and he's seeing through to the other end of this, right? He's 31. He knows, okay, the back end of my career is coming. He's only got two years left on his deal now. I I would imagine the reason he's asking out is because he wants to go play for a contender and that contender is not going to exist in in Houston anymore. They're already starting to trade off assets not named James Harden because they want to get under the luxury tax. Mm -hmm. So they're they're hemorrhaging all of their assets right now. And I, I think it all stems back to the owner personally. But I I just I guess this is a disagreement on James Harden as a whole. As for the bigger conversation about the transactions, because these things get people talking and you shouldn't conduct your sport to get people talking, but it does help to have interest in the sport, right? Hockey took the front, like the, the front page of a lot of markets in the last couple of months because of the moves that were made. There were huge headline news here in St. Louis when Alex Petrangelo decided to go out to Vegas. That became a headline story out there as well. And they became a headline story here when Tory Krug signed. Having free agency be an event is a thing. It's an event in the NBA. It's an event in the NHL. It's an event in the NFL. It's not an event anymore in baseball. They don't even know if they're going to have the DH next season, much less who the DHs are going to play for. That's true. Guys, free agency started two weeks ago. We have another two and a half weeks until the non-tendered players are ultimately announced. And then that's where we're expecting to hear some noise, but it may not happen again. And then there's another couple of weeks before the (laughs) GM and owners meetings. And then you're into Christmas and then you're into the first of the year. And now you've got the NFL playoffs. When you got the NBA starting. Major League Baseball just missed its window. They missed their window. They had an opportunity to actually take advantage of a time when they could be in the news or in the headlines for good news. Think about how many bad news stories have been out there. All of the losses, biblical, in fact, losses, uh, the negotiations to get back to the table when they were the only sport that couldn't get their bleep That's together. That's where they really started this trend downhills when nothing else was going on and they were grabbing headlines for not being able to get started. And now... You have the opportunity to grab those headlines, but because you don't have all of your stuff together internally, nothing is happening. Nothing. We're talking about these these potential free agents. None of them are signing. <laughs> They're not signing for another six weeks at a minimum, probably even longer than that. 
it's it's baffling to me that baseball is in such a bad spot right now that the one thing they actually have going for it, which is the hot stove season, it got a name because it used to be so exciting, no longer exists in the way that it used to. So do you think it's because of the tough financial times, which obviously it's got that that's a piece of the pie for sure. Or is it the CBA, which is another piece of the pie there, the un, undetermined what look what it's going to look like in two years? And then I, we talked about this before we even started the show today, a league without a salary cap. So you don't know what your ceiling is. You don't know where you're going. Ultimately, you have an idea with the luxury tax line, but teams or leagues that have salary caps, I think they're able to make moves quicker and, and make more of them because, well, they know the bottom line. I think it would make... A world of difference to be able to see something like that. Baseball is always like this. Like, it's not just this season. Yep. I mean, I get it. You're in the pandemic and and contracts and players are going to stay. But this is every year, guys. You don't see anything until the winter meetings. Like, it is crickets until the winter meetings. And then once that happens, all that does is just start the conversation. I mean, you're not until what? Maybe middle to end of December, if not beginning of January, to start to see big names come off the board. And it's because of the salary cap. Players and organizations just take their time because nothing's going to change for them. The only thing that changes by waiting is you might get a cheaper player, right? Because they get more desperate. And so closer to the season, you've got them over a barrel and you're like, hey, this is our last offer. It's February. We're, We're reporting to camps here in two weeks. Uh, take it or leave it. And the players <laughs> like, much. okay, well, I, I guess I'm going to take it because I don't, I don't want to wait here. And then in recent years, you've had some guys that are waiting until a month into the regular season at times yeah. to be able to sign somewhere. You've got guys like Yasiel Puig never signed anywhere this year. That's wild, man. He was going to sign at some point early in the year with the Braves. He did, didn't he? It's, he tested positive, and then the, everything kind of went yeah. south from there. You're supposed to be with the Braves, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so imagine that. That this is this is something that has taken place for the last few years. So while I would love to blame it on the uncertainty, it's been trending this yeah. direction for a while now. And so this is just taking it to the nth degree of the worst case scenario. But baseball really missed its mark. Yeah. They really had an opportunity to be able to capitalize on a time when they could have made headlines for something good and they completely missed it. There's just no competition in it. Like like you want what NHL has, right? Where a free agent is getting 15 phone calls and it's reports of, oh, he's going to sign here. Oh, no, wait, you're going to get a curveball or basketball trade after trade after trade. But baseball just hasn't found the recipe to do. I think some of it, too, is draft picks. I mean, draft picks in the NHL and the NBA are are high are a high commodity in that league. Maybe you get to a point where Major League Baseball finds a way to do that. But until then, you're going to have this stalemate every year. It's also the value that they place on the prospects. Yep. I mean, think about the Cardinals and the way that they value their or their prospects compared to the way that they would value somebody coming in from the outside into their own organization. They just really they, they hoard the prospects nowadays. And it's not just the Cardinals. I'm using them as the example here. But that could be said for a lot of organizations. Mm-hmm. They they refuse to make as many trades as we had previously seen in Major League Baseball. And it feels like the offseason's not all that interesting anymore as a result. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kyler. We'll dive into the junk drawer coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Jamie, what do you have to up for us today in the junk room, my okay, friend? Okay, so junk room today, guys. I got a quick question before we dive into this story. When you get on a plane, okay, and they close the door 
and let's say, I don't know, you feel like you have to pass gas. How do you handle that? Do you Which, have this issue a lot? But, but it happens, right? Like if you're on a sure. flight from New York to L.A. or even St. Louis to L.A., which wasn't too long ago you made that trip, it's going to happen, right? It, maybe not every time, but it's going to happen sure. at some point. What's your strategy at that point? You got to go with the uh, the sneak attack, right? Like okay. off to the side a little bit. I think that's the go-to. Do you <laughs> open up the vent first? And then try to kind of steer it. I always have the vent on, so I've never thought about that. But if you don't, if it's not on when you sit down, it's a good way to go about okay. it. Because it's loud, you know, especially whenever you first open it up. You give a little a little, little bit of a scoot over there as you're opening it. Yeah. That's smart decision there, okay. Jamie Rivers. I get up and I walk to the bathroom. Do you just crop dust everybody? Yeah. Or Wait, do you do yeah. it in the bathroom? Well, if I... I try and make it to the bathroom, but if I don't, then it's just crop dust city. Just crop dust right yeah. down the aisle. Because let's be honest, for me, no. I got a little IBS issues going oh. on. So <laughs> usually one leads to two. Mm-hmm. So I need to make sure I'm in the bathroom for one so I don't miss out on two. You don't want to be leaving breadcrumbs behind yeah, you exactly. either, right? But there's uh, there's some crop dust. In okay. So, well, on an airplane traveling from Dubai to Amsterdam, uh, there was a gentleman, uh, two, two Dutch gentlemen sitting next to each other on a plane and one guy uh just apparently decided he was going to pass gas and it was awful and he was warned by the two gentlemen he kept doing it so guess what guys the plane had to make an emergency landing oh my god (laughs) because of this guy's unwillingness to hold back his flatulence and that the smell was irritating the entire cabin so yes Despite a warning from the pilot, a fight between the men then broke out. What? Causing the flight to divert back to the Vienna airport. Now, I got a question. Was this one-time flatulence or was this multiple times? It was multiple times. So he was just doing it to taunt them. Had an awful smell and the passengers complained and he just kept leaning forward and delivering the goods. Yep. um, And aggravating everyone too much with the pilot. Had to make a warning, an official warning, but it didn't help because he yeah. uh, actually broke into a fight over the smelly This farts. guy would get a right hook then, right to the face. Do you make an emergency landing, though? Yeah, that seems excessive. Well, if you get a big brawl in the middle of a flight, you kind of have to, but right? you just reseed them? Like, does everybody pay for it then? No. Why don't you, you just tell me he has to sit in the bathroom? You don't trip? need to have a big brawl on the plane. Isn't Somebody just what the air marshal's for? To be able to help with situations like this? That's what I'm saying. Someone just needs to right hook this guy once, put him to sleep, and then we're good. I'm not saying he should punch no, him. I don't know if he should actually be <laughs> physically assaulted. I think he should. Maybe he's done with physically assaulting everybody else. <laughs> What? What happened? <laughs> Ferrario, you're currently in the same room as a guy who was paid not specifically to fight, but fought for a living, essentially. I'm not saying you're the one that is saying, no, nah, that dude needed to get taxed. He yeah. did. Oh, he did. Do you do? Hey, look, if that was a one-time flatulence, then, okay, look, it was nothing you could do about it, right? No, he was Suck just it unleashing. Up this guy's doing it on purpose because people are telling him to stop. Well, he I mean, should be punched. He, he got permission first. First? Yeah. Not the seventh time. Oh, he didn't really get permission. <laughs> <laughs> Just go up and go to the bathroom, bro. Right? So, speaking of things that would make you very angry, let's talk about Christmas music. Yeah. That's a weird right transition. Now okay. <laughs> right now it does. All right. So, uh, according to a news report from Sky News, 
apparently, Christmas songs on repeat is bad for your mental health. How about this, guys? So according to clinical psychologist Linda Blair, she told Sky News, quote, music. Yeah. Music goes to our emotions immediately and it bypasses rationality. Christmas music is likely to irritate people if it's played too loudly or, Ferrario, to your point, too early. It might make us feel like we're trapped. It's a reminder that we have to buy presents, cater for people, and organize celebrations. Okay. Bah, humbug! Okay. Some people will react to that by making impulse purchases, which is the, what the retailers want. Others might just walk out of the shop. It is a risk. How about this? <laughs> That's a little bit of a what reach. What I have learned today, Christmas music psychologically is a terrible thing for all of us. Makes us feel trapped. On repeat. See, I disagree, guys. It brings me to a happy place. No. It really does. It brings me back to a happy place playing the Christmas music. Now, it's a little early right now. Thank you. I will say that. It's, it's a little very early. early. We'll call that premature celebration, okay? But I do Jimmy think that... a lot of experience. Yes, <laughs> very much so. As we get closer to Thanksgiving, then I think it's no holds barred. Let's get some Christmas yep. music, Christmas songs. Absolutely. November 27th is the day Christmas should be blasted. See, I feel like you got to get... You got to change the calendar to December. No. No. Once Thanksgiving, you got to go from one holiday to the other. We've got Black Friday that on holiday? the 27th. That's I think not you a holiday. Wait, you wait, I mean, Roy. it basically is. You wait until the next week, I feel like. You got to wait until the calendar Why? switches over no. to December. Everybody decorates their yard like the day after Black Not Friday. Everybody. It's like, buy all your yeah. stuff. Black Friday for my wife and I, that is the day we decorate the house. Yeah. She wants it at the beginning of November, and I don't allow it. All I hear is that BK hates Christmas. I did hear that, no, too. You I think Christmas is overrated. Too. I don't care what you do in your own house. If you want to put up your... You, you could put up your stuff today. It doesn't bother me at all. It bothers I might, me. I, I think might you're a psychopath. I'll send it to you. If I'm going to a department store... <laughs> I think you're a psychopath if you put it up right now. If I'm going to a department store, I don't need to hear the Christmas music on the 28th. Wait, let me get to December, at least. So what do you want to hear now, then? You know, the usual stuff, the elevator music yeah, crap that we hear. that's been working really good for 2020. Well, I mean, I don't think the Christmas music's going to help might. us from 2020. I think it might. No, it might doesn't. bring a smile to your face, BK. I don't think there's any saving you us from this smile. horror show. You need a hug? With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We can't do that. That's part of the problem with 2020. I didn't say I was going to give it to you. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So there was a signing yesterday. That seems to indicate Wayno is at least down one potential suitor. We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So there was some good news yesterday. If you're a Cardinals fan who would like to see Adam Wayne right back in 2021, the Atlanta Braves announced that they have signed Drew Smiley to a one-year deal worth $11 million. Now, first of all, that is a stunning amount of money for Drew Smiley. He has started a total of 26 games since the 2017 season. He was really good last year, but he threw just 26 innings overall. He's 31 years old. So if you're looking at the market as a whole and wondering, is this going to be as down as people are suggesting? At least this deal so far seems to indicate the answer to that question is no. There's going to be a little bit more um, thirst for players like this than you would have otherwise expected. That being said, this was supposed to be one of the big players for Adam Wainwright, the Braves. That was the hometown team, the team that needed a little bit of a veteran to come in and kind of lead the staff. 
Well, Drew Smiley's role should be exactly that. So, Jamie, as we're sitting here today, it's starting to look like there is at least one fewer contender for Adam Wainwright services, which you've got to imagine would be good for the Cardinals. Yeah, you'd think, uh, except for the $11 million tag. True. You know, Wayno might look at that and say, hey, you know what? I had a pretty good year last year, too. Oh, and the year before. And I'm a pretty good leader. And I'm a legend in your clubhouse. Doesn't mean it translates to $11 million, but it might be more than the $5 million we thought. Fair. It might be closer to like 8 and yeah. maybe the incentives can get him up to the 11 that we're talking about here. Uh, the price tag might have just taken a little bit of a step up. But not having the Braves as one of the teams to go to, I think is a big feather in the Cardinals cap because uh, the the big draw there is it's home for him, mm-hmm. right? You can go back to Atlanta where he, I believe, lives in the offseason, or at least in the area around there, and he's from that area. He started with that organization before ultimately uh, getting his start here in the major leagues in St. Louis. I think this is a pretty big deal for the Cardinals to potentially be able to bring him back next year. See, part of me wonders if it uh, is a little concerning because we knew the Braves were in on Adam Wainwright. They were very interested in Adam Wainwright. And if they were willing to throw $11 million at Drew Smiley, who, as Dave Schoenfeld said, had four good starts in the last five years, <laughs> does that mean Wayno felt that $11 million wasn't enough? I don't think so. Because be why wouldn't the Braves? Maybe, maybe to move teams. Why wouldn't the Braves throw that at him? If they're going to give that to Smiley, Adam Wainwright is obviously a better pitcher than Drew Smiley. See, I don't know if that's true. He's um, also only 31. Yeah, that's the thing is if you're looking at but it it's from a one-year deal. If you're looking at it from the Braves' perspective, though, this might be more than a one-year thing. I know it's a one-year deal right now, but they might be saying, hey, if Drew Smiley's good this upcoming year, uh, we'll give him a four-year deal afterwards. We'd like to see it first. Let's give ourselves a little bit of a padding here, um, give ourselves some insurance with it not being long-term to start, and then if it works, they re-sign him after this upcoming season, whereas Wayno, it, it would truly be a one-year signing. He's, he's probably not going to be a long-term candidate for I them. get it, but it feels like if Atlanta's going to be willing to throw that money around, I mean, Wayno improves your team more than a Drew Smiley would. That's the part that yeah. just gets me. When I saw it, I'm thinking... Gosh, and it's hard for me to believe that Wayno would be going into this offseason and saying, hey, I want 11 plus million dollars for one year because, I mean, he's talked about how he knows what he's worth. He knows the age is there, but he also knows that he can provide something. But it just makes me wonder that, I mean, the Braves were the highest suitor with the Cardinals for him this offseason. And now that they went with Smiley instead, you got to wonder why they didn't pick Wayno over Smiley. But did they did they go with Smiley instead? Like, are, are we are they done? Like, do we know that? Like, I know the comparable is you're like, well, you know, they kind of went with Smiley. But paying him $11 million to me seems like they may not be done. Because I do think Wayno is a 5 to $8 million guy or six with yeah. incentives, whatever. Maybe they're going to come swooping back in. They definitely have four spots in the rotation now locked in. Four spots are guaranteed. No, no question about it. They've got four spots locked in as of today. The question is, do they want to use a young guy for that fifth spot? Or are they willing to still be able to throw some money out there to bring in Wayno as that fifth starter? I would think, and this is me speculating here, I would think that the answer to that would be, let's go ahead and go with one of these young guys or go with another young guy from the market to be able to kind of finish out this this rotation. But I don't know that to be true. Go for it? Yes. And if so, that's the case, maybe they have Wayno as an insurance policy, a leader who's been down that road, because I know Ozuna's still out there, right? Uh-huh. And I know the Braves have talked about having interest in bringing him back. 
So I don't know. See, I looked at it a different way of I think that it's going to come down to Wayno. Excuse me. I think it's going to come down to the Yankees and the Cardinals for both Wayno and Yachty now. I think those are the two suitors and you maybe you could bring going in for Wayno. Potentially, they always pack a deal with Yachty. Yeah, but do, do they really need a Wayno? Yeah, they need oh, pitching. Yeah, yeah. you do? put him as the number five in the rotation, and I mean that's a solid one through five punch for the Yankees if everyone's healthy. Well, then it's official. I hate the Yankees. I mean, it, it seems to me like that. It, it's really coming down to that. I, I think it's going to be New York or St. Louis for both of those guys. Yeah, and I think that that's what we're looking at right now. I think that the I think we can kind of kiss that Atlanta dream for Wayno goodbye as of today. And I think it's going to come down to those two. And I'm I'm starting to gain more confidence on the Wayno side of things that he's going to be back next year after after this signing for the Braves. Does that mean your confidence is high that Yachty's back? Because Wayno no. said that it's a package deal. Oh. I don't think that that's going to be the case. You don't think that they're going to go where they... I don't think it's a guarantee, no. See, I do. You think I, it's a guarantee they stay together? I do. I, nah. We heard Benji I talk. This, I think at this point, all bets are off. No, see, we heard what Benji said about how these two are brothers. And again, I listened to the interview that they did with Kyle McClellan talking about how you know they've built this legacy together. I really feel like that if Wayno sees Yachty go somewhere that is a true contender, Wayno's going to go with him. Maybe. Uh, or maybe some of that is, is more talk. You know, I, I, you, I'm sure you hear about this a lot, Jamie, in the NHL. It happens every offseason in the NBA. Oh, the player X and Y would love to team up this offseason. Or they've, they've been together. They would love to be together in the future. And then suddenly player X gets a really good deal from somewhere. And player Y doesn't have quite the same offer from that team that they have elsewhere. And player Y takes the deal elsewhere. Yeah, but when have we known Wayno to just be talk? Like when he says stuff, he follows through. This is different, though. This is for the first he time having really a life decision. What if the Yankees just say, "Hey, yeah, Wayno, we love you, but Yachty's who we're targeting. We don't really have any interest in Wayno. And Yachty, here's your chance. We're going to give you a two-year deal, and you have an opportunity to win another World Series. Unfortunately, it doesn't include your buddy. Yeah. And what if his wife and kids don't want to go to New York? You know, I mean, maybe they say, "Yeah, Adam, like." We're not moving to New York. Well, well, we would have gone down to Atlanta, kids. where we're home. Yeah, we're not going to go to New York. Depends that doesn't fit what we want. Kids. There's a lot of variables that come into it. And then, does he want to spend his last season away from his family while they live back in St. Louis? It's a headache, guys. I've yep. never known Wayno to be talk, but when he does that, typically it's, "Hey, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be a really good player again." And that's a lot different than a talk of, "Hey, I want to be with Yachty, and we're going to move to New York." our entire families to go play for the Yankees together. Those are very different. When have you ever known Wayno to just talk things, right? They're they're different situations. And so I think this was a pretty big deal. I think it's now going to come down to the Yankees or the Cardinals. And I feel better today about Wayno being back in a Cardinal uniform next year than I ever had before with Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Six, five, seven, eight, oh, is the air comfort service tax line. Bet it or forget it coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for bet it or forget it. Guys, bet it or forget it. Tyler O'Neill is going to have more starts next season than Lane Thomas. Tyler O'Neill more starts next year than Lane Thomas. Bet it or forget it. Ah, uh, bet it. I mean, how can you not? He's a gold glover, boys. Just going to say, make sure you label him correctly. Gold glove winner, Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, all jokes aside, he should have more starts, too. 
I mean, Lane Thomas, uh, yes, he had a bout with COVID, and apparently the after effects of it weren't good. He struggled. We saw his struggles. You know, we we saw it. Um, We also saw Tyler O'Neill's struggles at the plate, uh, but he did whatever you want to, however you want to categorize it. He did win a gold glove, and he does have a lot of things that, could be promising if he can figure it out. So either way, I think he gets more starts than Lane Thomas. I'm going to forget it. I'm going to forget it because I heard what John Moselock said about Lane Thomas at the end of his press conference. And that was about as high on a player as you can get from a president of baseball operations. Tyler O'Neill is going to start. Make no mistake. But as soon as that slump happens, Lane Thomas is going to get his runway. And I truly think. Yeah, but what if Lane Thomas lays an egg again? Then it goes right back to Tyler 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 O'Neill. But I don't think he lays an egg. I I think this goes back to the Lane Thomas that wasn't hit with COVID that had a really strong stretch before he was injured in that postseason run two years ago. So I'm going to forget it. Are we making too much of that small sample of Lane Thomas, by the way? Because we use that coming into this year. We're talking about 45 plate appearances where he was he was very good very good had four homers in that span a triple he was super productive for the cardinals no not taking anything away from him but in his major league career he now has 85 plate appearances it's not like we're talking about a player with a lot of runway so far we oh, do we make too much of that i don't think so because didn't we do the same thing with tyler o'neill in his first 45 starts now, I don't know what his first 45 looked like. We do that with everybody. Well, that's true. <laughs> we do do that with every Cardinals player. But, I mean, honestly, you could make that argument for every player. You know, like you could make the argument for Tyler O'Neill. Did we make too much of that? Did we make too much of Dylan Carlson? I'm the not first talking 45? about 45 starts, though. I'm talking about 45 plate, plate appearances. appearances. It's the same thing with Tyler O'Neill, though. He had 150 plate appearances in his first season. I mean, it, it's just it's it's so much more runway than what we saw from Lane Thomas. So I'm far. going off of Cardinals both more than I am. I, I I think you would see Tyler O'Neill, but I'm going off of a Cardinals perspective, and I I think you're going to see more Lane Thomas. I think I'm going to side with Jamie here. I'm going to go with Tyler O'Neill because I think he's more likely to get DH opportunities. I think you're going to see him some in the outfield because you know Gold Glove. Uh, I also think you're going <laughs> to see him a decent too. amount next year as the DH because I just. I don't think they're going to go out there and sign in Nelson Cruz. I would love them to. I think it would be a really good move. But if they don't do that, who are your DH candidates on this team? Fowler, Carpenter, Carpenter. Ravioli. That's pretty much it, right? Yep. Wayno. Lane Thomas. Could be Wayno. So I think we're going to see quite a bit of Tyler O'Neill this year. I think he's going to get a pretty decent shot to give it everything he's got this year. And then we'll find out if he's he's worth his, his salt. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line for bet it or forget it. Better or forget it, the Steelers are going to go 16-0 this year. And then they will get bounced in their first playoff game because their schedule is soft. Well, as I look at their schedule right now, the only two games that are that could be problematic for the Steelers are the Ravens and the Bills. And so they get the Jaguars next week, then the Ravens, Washington, Buffalo, Bengals, Colts, Browns. I don't think they go undefeated. I think that the Bills or the Ravens catch them a little bit sleepy because they have had such a good season. Uh, but I, I don't think they get bounced in the first round. So I guess I'll, I'll forget it. 
I'll forget it too. I don't think they get bounced in the first round, but I don't think they are, they're undefeated. I, I, like Jamie said, I think the Bills are a real threat. I don't know if the Ravens are, but I could see a team like Cincinnati or Indy upset Pittsburgh, kind of sleep on those two. That's a good call. So I, I'm going to forget it on both Cold of them. That's a really good call. Uh, I think that Week 17 game as well kind of looms large. Yeah. Got the Browns. Yeah, they've got on the road against the Browns. The Browns will be playing for something at that point, you would imagine. Given how deep the AFC is this year, they're probably going to be fighting for a playoff spot and have to win that last game to be able to get in it's very possible maybe even likely that by then if the Steelers continue winning potentially rest their starters in week 17 if they're undefeated going into week 17 they're not resting their starters. oh yeah especially against the Browns there's no way I think they they're might. going for especially the undefeated season no I think Ben would be like yeah I'm good BK he's already trying to ask out of practice if they have practice. an undefeated season there's only two teams that have ever done it yeah they Mike Tom- yeah, not, Mike Tomlin's not a guy to me that would be like, yeah, we're just going to rest some guys. No, he wouldn't even give Ben practice off now. I... Say, forget you, Ben. See, I disagree, guys. I think they would absolutely do no, it. I... You are against Cleveland, too. Against like, Cle- there's I a little bit of that ma- I don't think that part of it matters at all. Uh, see, uh, I think there's a little bit of bad if they're taste. undefeated going in last week against Cleveland. I think it matters. Maybe I'm only saying this because I would love to see Mason Rudolph go up against the Browns in week 17. Oh, I mean, just Miles Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> that would be hilarious. 1v1. Six, 657. Is the air comfort service tax line for bet it or forget it? Bet it or forget it, guys. Miles Michaelis is going to have a great season this year, similar to his first season with the Cardinals. Oh I'm, boy, I'm forgetting it. Ah. I, I don't think. I, I don't think you're going to see Miles Michaelis replicate what he did that season. Also, you don't have Colton Wong this year. Miles Michaelis thrived that first year off the defense behind him between Colton Wong and Paul DeYoung and Matt Carpenter, which I can't believe I'm saying they're in at third base. But Miles Michaelis, I don't know if you're ever going to see that. I think you'll see something high three ERA, maybe 10 to 12 victories. That's if he's fully healthy. So I'm going to forget this. Yeah, I'm going to go with Alex on this one. I think that I, I just don't see it. I just don't see I hope, but I'm going to forget it. I'm forgetting it as well. Uh, Miles Michaelis got super lucky that first year. I know people don't want me to say it, but it's true. Ferrario's absolutely correct in that the defense really helped him. If you're looking at the some of the more advanced numbers, fielding independent pitching is not a perfect statistic, but it is a good one to at least rely on to say, okay, if the pitcher didn't have really great defense behind him, what would his ERA have been? And in his first season with the Cardinals... It was a 3.5, which is good, but he was helped by the defense. He got lucky. He didn't strike very many guys out. He didn't walk a whole lot of dudes. He was pitching to contact, and the defense behind him was really, really good. So as we move forward here, I think the defense is going to take a little bit of a step back without Colton Wong behind him, and I think you're going to see things get a little bit tougher. So I think we're going to move forward. 4-0 ERA, somewhere around there is probably what you could expect out of Miles Michaelis. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. This is an interesting one from the 314. Guys, bet it or forget it. Cardinals fans should be rooting for the Cardinals not to make the playoffs this year. So that way, next offseason, they are forced to spend more money to upgrade the offense. Bet it or forget it. Cards fans should be hoping the Cardinals do not make the playoffs. So that way, they are forced to spend money next offseason to upgrade the offense. I'll say forget it just because I don't feel like the Cardinals will feel like they're ever forced (laughs) to do anything. So, yeah, I'll forget it. I think because, look, if the Cardinals are going to spend after next season with all that money coming off the books, 
then there's no reason they can't go ahead and make the playoffs in a very weak division with a very average team. I think it's just a little gravy on top for them. Hey, great, we made the playoffs, but now we do have close to $60 million coming off the books. And based on that, we've created some momentum here for this team. So I'll forget that. I'll bet it for the way that it was phrased. I think Cardinals fans should be rooting for that because that's what they've been holding on to. You think that'll make a difference? No, I don't. But I think it will give <laughs> I think it will give Cardinals fans the answer that they've been asking for so many years of, oh, well, if this team would just miss the playoffs, they'll spend money. <laughs> I was rooting for it. I hate to say this, but the year that they beat the Braves. Because oh, Alex. that was going into that offseason where I'm thinking, okay, they need to spend a little bit more money. They need to go out there and get themselves a big bat. If you miss out on that postseason, you're probably spending money. And look what happened. They made it. They didn't spend in an NLCS. So I think for Cardinals fans, for the way that was phrased, I think you should be betting on this because uh, you finally get the answer you've been searching for and they're not going to spend. I'm forgetting it just because I would rather make the playoffs. Like, I, I think that that treasure that's supposed to be on that other end of the rainbow it's not gonna be there it's gonna be a box of coal it's just a bowl of lucky <laughs> so, charms boys wrong end of the rainbow boys i don't think it's worth trying to wait for that for something that you i think the answer is gonna be something that we don't want it to be and so i'll say just get the playoffs at least then you have meaningful baseball in october again here in st louis Yeah, enjoy three days of meaningful baseball it's a good. longer next year. Oh, that's three true. Days. Five days. Five Sorry. days. Well, unless they get bounced in the first three. Give us something to talk about for five days. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> 65780 is the Air Comfort Service sex line. Bet it or forget it. The Cardinals should not make an offseason move. And instead, they should wait to the deadline to be able to bring in that big bat that they're looking for. Okay, so I, I think I see the angle here of waiting to see if attendance or revenue comes in mm-hmm. if it's a better situation. I think that's the angle on this one. Um, uh, should they do that? Yeah, I'm going to forget it. I'm going to forget it too, unless there's an extension involved with this. Like if you're talking, make the trade at the deadline and then give them 10 years. Obviously. Well, who are we trading for? <laughs> Lindor, I thought. I thought we Is talked that... about this earlier today. They're not, they don't give oh my up. Well, I understand that. Ferrari was given 10 years. I'm like, well, wait a minute. We gave five years and 18 and a half to Harrison Bader. Did we just Bader, get Babe so. Ruth? But if you're making the extension at that deadline, then yeah, make the deal. But we all know John Moselak. You're not trading for a star in general. You're really not trading for a star and giving up prospects that they love so much for what? Six months? No, not six months. Three months? of a player and then lose him in free agency. So no, I'm going to forget this. I'm going to forget it as well. And I want to get back into what Ferrario just brought up the 10 year type of a contract. Oh, geez. Well, the Cardinals give that out to anybody and I'm talking anybody, including somebody currently in their organization. Uh, back to Harrison Bader. We'll get into that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. listening to character and small and a great show you can hear it each and every morning right here on 101 espn from 7 until 10 o'clock and randy character brought up something interesting at least what i found to be really interesting should the cardinals consider this offseason re-signing jack flaherty long term and if they don't should they consider it next offseason and if he then turns them down here's what randy had to say if the cardinals come to him 
after 2021 and say, look, we want to sign you. And he says, well, I'm not signing for anything less than what Garrett Cole got. Then the Cardinals know that they won't be able to sign him. The move for the Cardinals then with two years of control left would probably be to move him for a bevy of prospects. And that might be hard to do when you look at what teams have traded pitchers like Clevenger. And so when you hear what he says there, should they consider trading Jack Flaherty? Whoa, what? No, absolutely Make not. The they deal. definitely shouldn't trade Jack Flaherty. <laughs> but then you think about it a little bit more, and you see, okay, he's got three years left on his contract. It's all club control, so he's in arbitration each of the next three years. He's projected to make about $2.5 million this year, probably somewhere around 8 to 10 next year. And then by year three, if he pitches the way that he has, be around $20 million. So he's three years, about $30 million left on his current contract for the Cardinals, based on the way that he's pitched so far. If they were to give, if he were to ask for Garrett Cole type of money, what they're referencing there is nine years and $325 million. God. If he wants more in the Steven Strasburg line, that is seven years and $250 million. Maybe he's willing to accept Zach Grinke money. Okay, that's six years, $205 million. The Cardinals aren't doing that. They don't do that with anybody. They don't go that many years. They don't go that kind of money. Certainly not for pitchers. They've never done it before, at least. Do we think they're going to make an exception for the rule here for Jack Flaherty, guys? I think it depends on how many Cy Young conversations we're talking about. Yeah. Six years for $200 million? Yeah, I could see them doing that. I mean, Chris Carpenter was, what, five years? Now, I don't know what the total money was in that one. But they gave him five years. I think Wayno was close to that as well. If five years, 100. If you're talking about the next two seasons of him being top three Cy Young or maybe he wins the Cy Young, yeah, I could see them doing six years because that's a cornerstone for you. But the caveat in all of this is, is the belief we are World Series contenders in the next six years. Chris Carpenter was five years, $63 million for what it's worth. But also the financial landscape was much different yeah, back absolutely. then. Too, and he so. was older at the time than what Jack Flaherty will be at the time because Flaherty's going to be 26, 27 years old. Yeah, look, at, I think it comes down to performance, guys. I really do. I think that uh, I, uh, I think that the Cardinals would be willing to make a long-term, uh, very big financial commitment to a player like Jack Flaherty if he continues to trend in the right direction. And I think that this year... This year was a speed bump for Jack Flaherty. You know, he didn't he didn't pitch poorly, but he wasn't dominant. Certainly wasn't dominant like the second half of the year before. Uh, now, was that due to the crazy season, the COVID season, we'll call it? Uh, I don't know. But I know that the season coming up next season, it's big for Jack Flaherty. And the season after that, it's big too. And if he does perform like he did or even close to the second half of the season before, then I think you got to entertain a long-term deal, and you're going to have to suck it up and pay some money for it. See, I don't think they're going to. I, I don't. Um, I think that we have now seen that it is an organizational philosophy on these types of deals. And if they don't decide to do this for one of the big-time free agent shortstops that we've talked so much about, I don't know how we could possibly expect they're going to do it for, even if it is a homegrown pitcher. I know they value those guys. I don't know how we're going to expect them to do it for a pitcher in any respect, no matter where he's coming from. Yeah, but you're not going into competition in free agency like you would be for a Lindor or a Seager or any of these free agents. You nailed it there. Homegrown talent is what's important, 
but you're also not going into competition. If you can lock Jack up the spring training before free agency by paying him the money he feels he deserves, well, then maybe you can get a little leeway with him. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think but so. But you Jack. can get a little leeway with it, or maybe you give him that six year $200 million, but you're not competing with offers on the outside like you would in a free agent. I think Jack Flaherty is going to want that competition. Yeah, I and think if he's, he's not going to have it, he's going to expect it to be at whatever that level was going to be otherwise. Yeah, I agree. I think to me, and I don't know Jack Flaherty, but from what I see and read and hear and observe from my own eyes, I think he's a guy that expects to be at the top of the food chain. And if you don't come in with an offer that would be that of someone who's getting or performing that way, that he might just be insulted and be like, forget it, we're done. I'm not doing this. I don't want to play here anymore. You don't value me? Guess what? I'm out. Comes down to his performance then, too. I I mean, if you're going to go that tactic, which Jack Flaherty is doing that. He is that guy. But if you don't have that talent to back it up, then you can't negotiate that. We know that he does, though, right? Like We we, we We know one year of it. Well, we've seen half a season of it, really. So you got to have. He was, he was good the year before. Good. He had a three three ERA and hundred, but it's not three hundred million dollars of a player. I mean, we've we've got to look back to what Garrett Cole was, right? He he was not dominant for the entire life of his contract prior to signing that nine year mega deal with the Yankees. He eventually was, but he had in the early start of his career, he was basically Jack Flaherty. Like the closest comp for Jack Flaherty right now is maybe Garrett Cole. And then the last three years on his deal, and this is where you're kind of getting at Ferrario, he had a two eight ERA, a two five, and a two eight over the last three years of that, um, or the last three years of his career the two years prior to free agency two eight two five that's where he was dominant those two seasons it was also for what it's worth with the with the astros so but that's, where you gotta, that's where you got to perform and he also got signed by the yankees mm-hmm. right so i think that right there is kind of important the fact that it's the yankees who signed that big deal because there's no way that the cardinals give that deal to well anybody absolutely and, and i truly believe from here until the moment where he is in a free agency period it comes down to what the other guys are doing. Like if Trevor Bauer signs a big contract, which we don't expect, but maybe he gets a one-year $26 million contract, Jack Flaherty's ears are going to perk up. The same can be said about the next free agent that hits the market or the free agent after that. Keep a close eye on what happens with Shane Bieber in Cleveland. I know mm-hmm. they got control over him, but Shane Bieber is going to get paid whenever that happens. What does Jack Flaherty look at Shane Bieber and say, okay, well, I'm better than him. I should get paid his money. Does Jack Flaherty ultimately, guys, just get too irked with the Cardinals? Uh, and what I mean by I that. He knows it's business. Bob, but what? Yeah, listen, he's he a very opinionated it. guy. He believes in himself tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the Cardinals don't, let's say they don't approach him with a long-term deal. When he thinks at this point, you guys should be offering me a long-term deal. And what if the Cardinals take the, the slow game and say, well, we have a couple more years of control. We'd like to give you the one year or the arbitration, whatever it gets settled at. But what if Jack Flaherty gets pissed and he's like, you know what? That's fine. That's fine. Yep. Sign the deal. But after that, there's no way. I don't know if he gets pissed though, because didn't they already approach him with stuff? And he was the one that turned them down. He did. He did because he wanted to. He wanted to still have the arbitration. He's taking care of the other guys. But he in didn't the market. want the Cardinals to buy out years of his free agency. Is what? Yeah, because he's he's playing the long game, right? He's betting on himself, and this is why I say, but like, yeah. But if the Cardinals aren't willing to come to him with the long game in the next year or two. Does he then get pissed and say, you know what? Somebody else will. What's worse, um, them coming to him with a low ball offer, which is what it would probably be, or them not coming to him with an offer at all while acknowledging, essentially, because he would know this is intrinsically true, 
acknowledging we don't have that kind of dollar figure that you're looking for here. It's it's not coming here. We'd love you. What they're doing with Colton Wong right now, at least according to reports, is they're allowing him to go to the market to see if what he thinks is out there is actually out there. They're doing the same thing with Yachty and Wayno, and then they can come back to the Cardinals and let them know, okay, here's what we're kind of looking at. Maybe the Cardinals do the same thing with Jack Flaherty. If he finds six years, $240 million out there somewhere, well, the Cardinals will say, thanks, we appreciate all of your services over the last seven years, Jack. Really good luck with the Dodgers, your hometown team that you're going to go shove for over the next seven years. There's our answer. Or the Giants. Because the Cardinals are never going to be able to I shouldn't say be able to. They philosophically will not match dollar amounts like that from the Dodgers, Mets, Yankees, whoever comes swooping in for Jack Flaherty. So I think the answer ultimately is that let's enjoy the next couple of seasons of yeah. Jack Flaherty because it's not going to last. Yeah, look at look at what happened with David Price. He came second runner-up to him because you weren't willing to pay him that much more money. And let's be frank here, the Cardinals' best best chip in all of this is the fact that they can grow pitching prospects. Yeah. It may not be a Cy Young contender like Jack Flaherty, but you might have two pitchers in the minors that can take over that role that you feel are, are good enough. The Cardinals might have to make a decision on this next year. Not now. They, they, they should absolutely hold on to Jack Flaherty right now. First of all, he's super cheap and he's really good for this upcoming yeah, season. There'd be no reason to deal that guy oh, right God. now. No. Next year, though, if he pitches really well this upcoming season, And then you go into the offseason with two more years of club control and his salary starting to rise a little bit. But at least next year, any team in baseball can take on his salary. Ten million dollars. Everybody can have that. If if that's how this goes and they know next year they're not going to sign him long term because let's say he gets third in the Cy Young Award and he's now looking at that mega deal Mm -hmm. whenever he hits free agency. That's when you start having serious conversations about trading him. Yeah, because you you have to decide then kind of like the Indians are now. They might have already missed their opportunity to get the most in return for Lindor. You got to decide with two years left, not one. Now is when we make this deal, because then we can actually get prospects in return. And it's not just a salary dump the way that it is this offseason for the Indians with Francisco Lindor. And that's the way you replenish the system. You can get a really good bat in return from him. That's super cheap, cost controlled. And you're able to improve your roster that way for a player that you weren't going to resign anyway. And keep a close eye on what happens with Matthew Libator. I mean, I know they've talked about how he could get a shot up at the bigs this year. And yeah, I mean, this... I don't know if he's the player that Jack Flaherty is. I don't even know if he's projected to be that. Uh, I'm, I, I don't I agree, but. I also think his growth growth will determine moving Jack Flaherty sooner rather than later. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. We'll cross things over with the Fast Lane coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Podcast is brought to you by I Promise 101ESPN.com. The free 101 ESPN app is where you find it. Had a great conversation earlier today with David Schoenfeld, ESPN baseball writer. He told us why all of my ideas about the Cardinals offseason are all fantastic. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie crossing things over with Chris Ranji and the Fast Lane. Ranji, how you doing today, bud? Doing great, out, man. Yeah, I'm great. Hand? Rockin' Ranji. What's going on with your coffee over there, Ranji? I see you struggling a little uh, bit. I don't know. The cup is, the, the paint is coming off. Is that some so pumpkin spice again? Mm. No, it's just regular coffee. No pumpkin spice today for you? No. Got got some oat milk in it, though. Oat milk is good. Goat. I like it. I like it. Goat or oat? 
It's going to oh, surprise nobody in goat. our audience that I just said yeah, that. that was yeah. a, what did you just say? I can't believe I just admitted that. Uh, who here cares? That I like it's, goat milk. Hey, you, it's, you like goat milk? You like goat milk? All right, enough. <laughs> you know what? It's better for Male you. Male or female? It's delightful. It really is. Yeah. Don't anyway, it's a real question, James. So, uh, what's be. going on in this uh, stupid room? Whoa, whoa! <laughs> you got that part right. So, I would. Are you guys going to talk about the Bears in your first segment? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's bring it up now, then. Oh, great. Why would we? What the hell, dude? Why? Why did I even watch that game last night? Well, because Those you like stink. You like football and any kind of football that's on TV in a professional I way. I did not enjoy it. that at all. Yeah, so, neither did I. Ronj, I have a very serious <laughs> question. For real, okay? And we talked about it on the show today. Look, Nick Foles is not the answer. Mr. No Trubisky is not the answer. But where do the Chicago Bears go next? Because they're just good enough not to be bad enough to get a good draft pick. To build, to, they're not going to go find the franchise quarterback. Never mind what they yeah. passed up before. Are we before. sure? Yeah. Never it's... mind what they passed up before. But what are they? what lies ahead for them? <laughs> like, does a guy like, I, I mean, uh, nothing. Does a guy like Jameis Winston, like, well, does he look like? Well, why not? Somebody like Sam Darnold would fit nicely if his time in in New York is up. It's got to be. Uh, BK and I were talking about that. I don't know about a week or so mm-hmm. ago outside in the hallway, and yeah, like that. I mean, that's a guy I would be willing to take on. Maybe he needs a change of scenery. Daniel I don't know Jones? how much. Uh, no, I don't know how much that would help coming into Danny Dimes. Uh, no, no. Yeah. Like I mean, but but here's the thing though. How is how is a new guy going to come in and flourish under this coaching staff? Which oh, you I'm not blow it up, right? I'm not exactly sure they know what they're doing. I really do like Matt Nagy, and yeah. I think I've said this to you guys before. He, I I get the feeling he's going to be one of those dudes who has a first tenure as a head coach, doesn't work out, ends up being an assistant somewhere else. That team does really well for a few years. He's back on the radar to be a head coach. He goes to another place as head coach and does really well his second time around. I can absolutely see that happening with him. But does this lie on his shoulders right now? They've really never given him an offense to play with. It's true, but it's it's everything. You know, it's the the general manager is just God knows what the front office is thinking when they do the things they do. They're screwed here pretty soon, man. That's not good. Like, you're going to probably have to blow good. it up. You're going to have yeah. to get a new GM, new head coach, new quarterback. And, oh, by the way, the offensive line stinks. Allen Robinson yeah. is a free agent. There's no reason why he should consider re-signing with him unless they I franchise tag him. He if I'm him last night. Yes, he, he threw his helmet. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I would be, too. And that was on a play. That So here's what tends to happen with the Bears. They, they don't get a whole lot of guys open, but when they do, they're like home run possibilities, and the quarterback always overthrows. That last always play, by overthrows. The, way, the last play, first of all, didn't love the play call on fourth and whatever, fourth and three. Would rather have seen that on third down as opposed to fourth, okay. but whatever. He was wide open. Yeah. And what's his face? Greasy. Bray. Greasy's like, oh, gotta catch that. No, no, gotta throw a better ball. <laughs> like, yeah. What are we are doing? Are you talking about here? the Bray throw? Yeah. Uh, was, yeah it was, was the it Bray the throw. Bray? Yeah, Bray yeah. was yeah. in at the very end. To Anthony Miller. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but throw. there was a play before that in the first half, too, I think. So Foles did it a couple of times. Yeah, he like, yeah, yeah, open yeah. one time right in the end zone, wide open. Yep. He just like overshot yep. him. Yeah. And they do that. All the time. And then they'll have, you know, like one of the biggest downs of the year. Uh, It's third and five. They have to convert. It's late in the game. What do they do? They throw a wide receiver screen five yards behind the line that gets blown up immediately (laughs) because everybody knows it's coming. And they do that all the time. So that's coaching. There's nothing imaginative they do. 
the personnel isn't good. I mean, some of it is. You mentioned Allen Robinson. He's and good. Defensively, they're, they're really good. Running back. Darnell Mooney might be pretty good. What yeah. about what about Cordell Patterson? Cordell pa- Patterson right. can bring Special back a touchdown. should be the head coach. God, I don't it, know. The team's a mess. Whatever. Who cares? They're just they're stuck Suck. because the defense is too good. And so you have a tough time getting up high enough in the draft to be able to get this really good quarterback. And you've got cap issues that are about to come in. You don't have any real targets out there. Like they're in a really bad spot to be able to bring in somebody new. However, in Chicago, if you don't bring anybody new in next year, well, what the hell are the fans looking for? I think it's uh, they're probably a year away, I think. Because I they're not very you don't proactive. Think they're restart this. I, I don't think they're proactive. <sighs> I think they're they're very reactive. They wait too long. So I think it's probably about another year of this. I could be wrong Ooh. on that, but I just I get the sense. Well, the fans like they're obviously <laughs> impatient fans in Chicago. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, no, they're not going to be happy about oh, it. Oh man. But but I just that that's how I see it playing. Well, at out. least they I got the wrong. Cubs to look forward to. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> Are you guys talking? Sure. Are you White guys Sox? talking about uh, Jack Flaherty today at all? Uh, I, I mean, we might get to him at some point, I okay. guess. But we're, we're going to start things off with Theo Epstein stepping down in the you know the balance of power in Absolutely. the National League Central. What this means for for everybody? I mean, that's a that's a pretty big thing that's mm-hmm. happening there, and they're not going to go through that transition unless the roster is going to go through a bit of transition. What's that mean for the Cardinals? I mean, there's a lot. But that affects moving forward. We talked a lot about Jack Flaherty today, kind of bouncing off of your conversation that you guys had on the show yesterday with who's the next Cardinal to get extended, right? And Flaherty makes a ton of sense if he was willing to listen to offers about getting extended. And I don't think that's likely unless they were willing to give him all of the money. If you're the Cardinals and you go into next offseason and you know we're not re-signing this guy to the mega deal that he's going to command on the open market. Do you start listening to offers next offseason in trades? Well, it depends on where your team is. Like, if you think that you've got a legitimate chance to win, and, and here's the reality. Next year, they still can win this division. E- even with as underwhelming of a team as they are. Oh, they'll be favored to win even the division. Even if they do they, they, nothing, yeah. they can still win the <laughs> Next year, the NL Central is going to be the uh, NFC East. Yeah. Oh, awesome. We're close to it. It may not be that bad, but it's Cardinals. Can you know, it's going to be. Well, I don't know. Actually, sure? I'm not. It, but it's going to be something like that, where 87 games probably what? wins the division. Everybody but the Pirates can win it. Did you just say? But what the? F- <laughs> yes, I did. Okay. Not in the way you mean it. What do you mean, so, Jamie? Wrapping this all up to Jack Flaherty. That means then what? Well, no, you absolutely listen for listen to offers. It depends on what you think you're going to be. I mean, if you end up being competitive and you think you need him and you're going to be aggressive in another offseason, I don't think you let him go. You need to have plans to be good by like and I mean seriously good by like 22 or 23. Sounds like going out there to get Francisco Do and make a lot of sense. Not 20. If you're not going to be good till 24, then yeah, go well, ahead and gone. listen to Blow offers. Up. Absolutely. And that's 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 the problem. And that's why we bring up Francisco Lindor so much, because eventually you got to get that guy. Uh, eventually, you've got to shop in those markets to get this team to a World Series type of a contender. Unless Otherwise, you draft it. But we sure. don't know if they've drafted it. I don't care how you acquire well, that. Got to get it. Yeah, right. They've Doesn't matter. It. Those guys are all over yeah. the league. Right? He's in Tampa now. Well, <laughs> and in the Yankees system. Watch that dude be rookie of the year next year. <laughs> 
just oh, going to be. God. He's already Babe Ruth. What else does he need? It's going to be amazing. <laughs> For Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Like I said, if you missed any of the show today, 101ESPN.com is where you find the podcast. Looking Wait till 6 to o'clock, Fast though. Lane coming up from 2 to 6. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 right here on 101ESPN. Mmm. You've been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast, powered by I Promise. 